Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's tough because when you, um, uh, depending on where a person lives, you know, I'm lucky enough to live in Los Angeles. You know, there's always there's always an opportunity to uh, really find somebody that you kind of connect with, you know? Well, the problem is that I'm always looking for someone like me, like somebody that's fucking into, like, crazy shit. Oh, and, God. And that doesn't work because that's the last thing I need is more of this. This, this is, like, out of control. I need somebody to, like, sedate this or balance me out. I don't need, like, double, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, double your pleasure. Like, no, it's double the fucking chaos. Yeah, yeah. You know, Dave Chappelle has that that line that where uh, if one and that can apply to so many other things. Like people change, they get into shit, they get out of shit, they think they like somebody, and then they something about them just like grows up or or grows down, and and they just fucking change, and they decide that they don't want that person. Yeah, you know, things change, people change, things change, people. And people change things. So do you have a current you romantic that, interest, Dave? No, 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 no. I'm no I'm not in a relationship currently. Single like a Pringle. Single, um I'm broke, so that doesn't help. But um you know for about since since we broke up uh a year later that that we broke up about going on four years almost and um a year later after we broke up, I started doing stand-up, and um, it, it's kind of been really my main focus. Um, Man, that's so crazy. And, uh, I'm so proud of you getting into the stand-up. Like, hey. I've known this guy for over 10 years, people, and More. I never expected him to become... Because a lot of places in L.A. are pay-to-play, and it's kind of the same thing with stand-up. Um, luckily, there are really good places like Burt's Backroom, the Comedy Dojo... Um, the um, uh, Tao, the comedy studio, where, um, you know, it's, it's five bucks for five minutes or ten bucks for ten minutes. Sometimes you get a free drink, sometimes you don't. You, you and, said um, you're still in L.A., right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so that's why you have tons and tons of comedy clubs around you. That's like stand-up comedy central of the world. Yeah, I mean, it is, but at the same time, it's really really hard to kind of I guess you want to say make it right so obviously this is money you know I you I live I live you know if I live about I live about 15 minutes with no traffic I want to say about six seven miles east of downtown LA and then um most of the comedy clubs are west of downtown LA and they might only be about 15, 16 miles from my house. But when you have to get there at like 6 o'clock to sign up, um, you know, you're sitting through 40 minutes to an hour of rush hour traffic. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel kind of like a tool saying, you know, talking about how tough it is. You know, I, and I live in L.A. And I can only imagine how if you're growing up, I, feel, I started feeling like a tool. I'm like, no, dude, I fucking live in Los Angeles, like I, that can't not cannot be my excuse. So I I said, you know, if, so I I usually get off of um, our practices for uh, the students and like at four thirty, and you know I go home, I shower real quick, put on clean clothes, and I'm out by like five almost, and uh, try to get down to these places 
because a lot of them, you know, sign up to end at 6 or 6.30, and then you got to hang around for another couple hours, and then you start, you buy a drink or two, and you got to pay for parking, and it's like, you know, I go out, I spend 40 bucks, and I'm not making anything, and, you know, there's only so many times a week I could really do that. So it kind of, um, but I'm really happy for these, these places like Burke's Backroom and all this that, like, give, you know, open micers, because I, I consider myself an open micer. I, I, I would lap a towel or some shit. You, call, you, you have fucking, your parents are in the industry. You're a fucking, you're a shill. And uh, you, uh, you know, I'm just joking. I'm not going to shit all over Judd Apatow right now. But, no, that, uh, no but that's a good point. Definitely like, that's a good point. Look at yeah. uh, Pauly Shore. He, he got into all that shit because his mom well, owned, like, the biggest comedy club in L.A. or what, or wherever it's at. Yeah. Well, but, Okay. There's a very, there's a big difference I would say between Paul Shore and Judd Apatow. I'm not gonna get into this whole debate about you know blah blah blah, but you know in in some respects yes. What I get pissed off at are people like um, YouTubers that join a, that have a big audience and then they want to go do stand up and then they sell out these rooms and you know or or a club will hire them to headline and they're you know they have their own audience sure they they pack the place and and at some point you're not really making people laugh more than you're really making them just cheer and so i have a problem with that you know you know like blake griffin now is starting to get into stand-up and i feel like he kind of does it the right way he does it he doesn't really take jobs or spots from other comedians into the uh into the into hollywood to try to get movies or roles and so they use stand up as like that stepping stone, but um, you know I'm 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 not I'm not about that at all. Yeah, that was really big back in the I think it was the mid '90s. Pretty much everybody was all these different comics. Like when it was really big, they all wanted a show, and a lot of them were getting a show. Like you had, um, I you know I'm not gonna sit here and name Joe Rogan, all, yeah, Bobby Lee. Improvement. Uh, everybody loves yeah. Raymond. It just goes on and on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And make money that way, and and I don't. Um, you know what? What I don't like is when they when they half-ass. You know when they half they call themselves a comedian. They half-ass it. And you know what, man? I'm listening to myself right now, and I'm like, who the fuck am I to be saying any of this stuff? Really? Like because I would kill to to do any of this stuff. So. You know, to each his own. I don't get mad at these people. I get mad when when comedians attack other comedians about stuff. That's what I don't like. Like when when Judd Apatow attacks Louis uh, on his uh, stuff. Like I, you know, that's where I draw the line. There's it's a like, lot of don't that. Fucking there, there, on, there's oh, so there's much of so that. Like every comedian, like famous comedian, has their list of enemies. Oh my god, yeah, and and sure, like. You're going to make enemies. Um, you're going to take spots from people that, uh, you know, um, they, Louis performed that. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but there's a, there's a, um, there's a show called Skank Fest, Legion of Skanks, Skank Fest. And uh, they have a festival they put on every year in New York. And last, this year, um, Louis performed at Skank Fest and the crowd was nuts. They Fucking loved it. You got a standing ovation when he went on. You got a standing ovation when he went on. And still, there were oh, fucking entitled piece of shit open micers there 
that went on and were like, why does Lily get here? What? Why is he here? But I was like, shut the fuck up, dude. You, like, you don't have a bucket to piss in, so get off this topic. Was he the one that was, like, jerking up? And if they said no, then he wouldn't do it. And sometimes, yeah, he would pull his dick out, just like a million other comedians have done. Just like female comedians pull their tits out sometimes. He would pull his dick out sometimes and just, you know, not jerk off, pull it out. And then there were times where, you know, Sarah Silverman talks about this um, on Howard Stern. She says, dude, like, Louis and I, like, Louis asked me a bunch of times if I could jerk off, if he could jerk off in front of me. And sometimes she was like, yeah, sure. And sometimes she was like, nah, I don't want to. And, and they're still friends today, and she never felt threat. Like, dude, how, like, how, <laughs> I think Joe Rogan said, like, like a guy masturbating is like the is like the least uh, like is like the most harmless. Pretty good uh, uh, evidence to support that that like he never really because he there were no criminal charges filed against him. Um, I don't even think any of these people filed any civil suits against him. I mean, I and, I, um, I sort of get it. It's like a weird fetish thing. He's probably like like when you're when you're sitting there pulling on yourself and you see like the disgusted faces say Sarah Silverman is making it's probably some some kind of turn on yeah i mean you know some people like feet and some people you know i'm not i don't like having i don't like having anal sex whether receiving or giving so <laughs> i but like i i don't i don't even like watching anal sex on on uh for pornography for porn like I don't, I don't enjoy it, and um, so that's, like, am I weird because I don't enjoy it? There's so much anal sex on the internet, like, should I feel weird that it doesn't turn me on? No, because, you know, I could see, you know, how, how you like to, you know, get in the asshole, get in that asshole. No, I know what you mean. There's some weird shit out there. I mean, I, I'm not going to judge uh, yeah. people unless they're harming other people because there's so many different ways that... Of, of course. And virgin. Uh, I forget, I always forget his name, but the guy he he owns an island and stuff like that. He used to he used to pay women, or he probably still does, pay women to like sit in a hammock while he lays underneath it and have them shit on his face. Oh fuck! Like he enjoys that. Ugh. Yeah, Bro- Bro- Bronson, Bronson, I think his name is. Oh, and there's famous famous there's other famous people that were like they um they would like they would hire girls to shit on a glass table and he would lay underneath the table oh man i tried watching i mean we all we all seen it but that two girls one cup i could barely stand that for five seconds and i was puking oh no i i've never even seen it i won't even watch that you gotta watch it at least once no no i'm not gonna watch it no no i don't have to watch it at least once i've never seen the human centipede i've never seen two girls one cup there's literally no reason for me to ever have to watch that yeah, human centipede is messed I, up. I, I've seen all the references, and I and I completely understand the references. So you know, if there's there's no reason for me to watch it if I already understand all the references. You know. Yeah, you know, I I got curious one time, and I just watched the trailer for Human <laughs> Centipede like ten years after it came out, ten eleven years after it came out. Just that trailer <laughs> fucking traumatized me. I swear to God, it traumatized me. Yeah, I mean, it's um, you know. Yeah, it's not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not getting into that mood. Like, so, just, someone in the chat no is telling reason. you to just watch it. Just watch Two Girls. Just, just watch it. Just, uh, okay, okay. All right, I'll, <laughs> I'll just watch it. 
I'm gonna watch it right now, actually. So, oh, actually, I'm gonna go into the chat and fucking berate the person who just said that to me. You right now. So. Oh, somebody named. Oh, I know who that is actually. Oh, that's oh so 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 this is uh this is my friend Sai. Uh, I'm not gonna give her real name out. She's actually the one who introduced me to the video um, of the seminar of the of Mr. Mahuti, the the um, one of the Zuni elders. Um, he's an American Indian. I don't know what they really prefer to be called. If, if it's American Indian, is fine. But um, he, um, um, the, yeah, she's the one who sent me that video um, this week, actually. And I and I listened to that. It was uh, it's it's a fucking amazing seminar. We're gonna go over it whenever you're ready and all that stuff. But yeah, she's the one who turned me on to that. And like um, some really good information came out of that seminar and um, some fucking truth bombs. Let me tell you. Okay, now it's as good of a time as ever. Let's let's hear it. What is this seminar? Tell us all about it. Okay, so this is so the reason I wanted to bring up the seminar is because I so you know. I don't know if this is how it is for you, but for me, the when I really got into a lot, and how um, in 1909, uh, it might be 1906, but I think 1909, 1906, the Arizona Gazette, I think I want to say, the Gazelle or Gazette, anyway, a Gazette, um, um, wrote an article about a man named G.E. Kincaid, with a K, and um he was famously um, he, he, one of the things he's really known for is from uh, um, going. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not sailing. Like uh, he, he 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 was on. He was, I'm trying to think of the word. Not sailing, but he 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 rode down the river on his boat from uh, the and on the Colorado River from Wyoming all the way to Yuma. So I think it's about uh, 700 miles or so, I think the article said, and I'll, I'll find out exactly. But um, so he's famous for leaving uh, Wyoming and taking uh, incredible photography along the way. He had all kinds of really expensive photography equipment from, from those times he was going. And um, anyway, his journey ends in Yuma, uh, in the Grand Canyon. And even to this day, if you wanted to get to an area, to this area, which I think they call Kincaid's Cave, um, it, it would basically take you about three weeks of serious hiking, or you would have to take a helicopter. Other than that, it's nearly impossible to get there. Also, the, the, the land is owned by the government, basically. So, and there's no trespassing. And this, and so, the, when, when, um, when that video was sent to me, um, it, it sort of resonated with me because of the similarities, uh, because of the ties of the story. Now, when I first heard this story, this is kind of what really jump-started my curiosity into these kind of dark arts and stuff like that. And the story is he finds a cave. Whether or not he went out looking for it is unclear. Whether or not he was sent by anybody is unclear. But he goes out in Huma. He finds this cave. He walks into the cave. There are gymnasium-sized rooms, okay? Huge, geometrically sound rooms. 
man-made to his belief, um, hundreds and hundreds of rooms, thousands of square feet we're talking, okay? And he finds um, very Egyptian-like artifacts all over the Grand Canyon. We're talking scarabs, we're talking obelisks, we're talking um, anything that you would kind of find, you know, there's no pictures of any of this stuff, so it's hard to say what, but they talk about, you know, like um, um, things like things that look like the Sphinx, things that look like um, lions, uh, basically uh, hieroglyphic type carvings and things like that. So the, the Arizona Gazette, I believe, um, pr- uh, prints an article, a very small article about how this man, G.E. Kincaid, from the Smithsonian Institute, found all these ancient uh, Egyptian artifacts um, in the Grand Canyon. And um, basically, years later, when people start to uncover this, you know, I heard about it probably in 2006, but I I know that there are articles about this that date back to the 80s, late 80s, 1988, I think I read an article um, referring to this article. The Smithsonian has denied all of this. They say, they emphatically say that, that anytime asked about this, they say ancient Egyptian artifacts have never been found in North America, so we'll stop you right there, and we have no idea what you're talking about. This man, G.E. Kincaid, has never worked for the Smithsonian, and um, we have, we have, we don't have any of these artifacts. So, uh, I always thought that that story was, you know, very interesting. And the the entrance to the cave, first of all, is like 1,400 feet from the ground of the Grand Canyon. So uh, it's a very difficult place to get to in the first place. Now, whether or not the water was higher back then, I don't know. But um, uh, the the shape of the outside of the cave looks rather similar to a pyramid or, a, or an ancient um, or a, uh, what um, American Indians call like sacred mounds. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen these. They're, they're popular in Montana. You'll see them where, where uh, New Mexico, Montana, anywhere where there's large tribes of Ma- Native Americans, you'll find sacred, they call them sacred burial grounds of um, they're basically to, to our knowledge, they're basically tombs of who knows what, and um, now uh, and they're basically, they, they're like dirt-covered mounds, and now, after years, grass has grown on them, and you'll see these all over the world, really, and a lot of these mounds have been excavated. The, the, the American government, um, you know, we like to think that, you know, like, um, I don't know if they have any where you live, but in California, we have lots of uh, Indian reservations, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're basically considered a sovereign people, which is true. They are. And the land that they live on, they can technically do whatever they want to a degree. Now, they don't own the land, though. They're entrusted with the land by the government. The government gets to do whatever they want with that land, okay? Whatever they want, whether build on top of or dig below it, Okay. Now, I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself right now, but, you know, 
a lot of underground caves that we, that uh, man-made caves that the government um, has in the past kind of alluded to, or even in some instances disclosed that they've built. You know, they, we, they talk about massive cave shafts that go down thousands of feet into the ground, and they're self-sustaining. Uh, they're basically self-sustaining uh, habitats where you could, if you need to build a microwave from scratch, you could build a microwave from scratch. That's how, that's how, um, you know, that's how much material and everything is down. They have everything you need to sustain life, not just, not just equipment or food or water, but the, the properties to, to, um, uh, to grow food and, and, um, receive water or uh, what's the dig for water, I guess you would say, um, and purify it and stuff like that. So, so it, it wasn't far fetched to, to, to think. And, and, um, and I was, yeah, I was very interested when I listened to this seminar from this, uh, Mr. Mahudi, he's an elder with the Zuni tribe, which is, I think out of New Mexico. And, um, when he says, you know, the, the government owns this land. We're just entrusted with it. You know, that, like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you know, because it's a perfect way for, for, um, it's a, it's a, it's a non-political, well, okay, I don't want to say non-political. It's a, it's an, um, it's a PC way of allowing the people, these people that have suffered due to our, us being here in the United States to give them the land and allow them to do, but it's also a way to cover the fact that they can do whatever they want on it. So I thought, yeah, that makes a lot of sense actually. So, um, so, so you know, I've, my, I've heard some things like yeah. this and some of these, uh, elders with certain tribes and stuff like, my understanding is they pass everything that they know on orally because they don't they don't have shelves full of books or anything like that but they they will tell they will tell you that back in the old old days the knowledge they were passed down that there were were like actual cities and stuff like that in America not just like central or south america but in north america yeah and um yeah, definitely. And South America obviously gets a lot of uh, play with this when you talk about the the conquer of Moctezuma, the conquer of Cortez coming, and um, and also even after Cortez, what are you talking about? First Marco Polo, uh, not Marco Polo, um, uh, not Marco Polo, fucking Columbus. The uh, yeah, Columbus. Uh, first Columbus. And then, um, and then Cortez, and then there's another one, Pazini, Paz, Paz, I'll, I'll remember his name right now, um, Pazini or something like that, that comes in around, uh, uh, 12, 15, 20 years after Cortez comes in. Cortez comes in and he annihilates all the Incas, and then this other guy, Paz, Pazini or Pazini, I remember, I'll, I'll have to look up the name comes in and he destroys all the Mayans, you know, and, um, and so, and these, these tribes, um, like the Pueblo tribes, you know, even, and, um, these tribes, you know, they, 
let's say like in South America in Peru, right? When you, when you go to places like, um, uh, Chichen Itza, you know, you see, you see the structures that are built there, right? Mm-hmm. And the original structures are all, um, very, they're, they're carved out of giant blocks and they're, they're so precise. And then the top layer of these blocks that are said to be done by the Incas themselves are much less sophisticated. But the base of all these things, which they don't believe, some archaeologists, obviously, they have a narrative where they have to believe that the Incas did this because the idea of, you know, people building this stuff 250,000 years ago is just, it's not on par with what the world thinks. So if they want to become professional or uh, if they want to become professional archaeologists, um, then they kind of have to play ball, right? So um, the kind of the narrative now is that the the base of a lot of these places, like um, the original Sphinx, let's say, or Chichen Itza, like, or the, the serpent, um, the serpent uh, pyramid in, in, um, in Mexico, I forget, I forget what, what it's called. Um, you know, these, they have, they have structures that are built on top of it that are kind of paying, om- not homage, but they, 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 um, these were kind of their gods that built these things. And, um, they did their best to, to, to build up to- on top of it, but it's just not as sophisticated. Yeah, that's, that's incredibly trippy. I've, Heard stuff along those lines, uh, mainly because I read one of Zechariah Sitchin's books. I think it's called mm-hmm, The Lost mm-hmm. World, and it's all about like Central and South America, if I remember correctly. And there's all kinds of like, I don't remember many of them, but there's a lot of anomalies like that. There, th- another thing is that the Olmecs, who were another people that lived in that same sort of area, you know, Central South America, I'm not sure where they were at exactly. But they were, they actually looked like African Americans. They looked like black people or Africans. They, if you look at yeah. the carvings and stuff like that they made, it doesn't really make sense given, given our understanding yeah. of the world. And that's why I like to talk a lot about how history is fake. I mean, not entirely, but it's been changed quite a bit. And I think that's kind of where you're going with all this. We've been, preve- we've, uh, right. we've been presented a completely fake idea of like, Indians slash Native Americans, what it was like here, what their culture was like. The the truth is that it, it's it's nothing like we think. We just our heads are full of shit, basically. Yeah, and so um, this is kind of where my real journey. You know, that's not kind of stupid thing. My real journey, but this is kind of no, where I, I got that. into um, the um, the idea that you know the Smithsonian. And Harvard, because they work very closely together. The Harvard, uh, the Harvard, Harvard is one of the most corrupt universities in all of the world. They fake so much research that it's mind boggling. By the way, now they're trying to block out the sun. Did you hear, have you heard about this? That Harvard is now trying to uh, take steps to see if they can dim the sun, as they like to say. And what does that sound like? Sounds exactly like the fucking Matrix. Remember when they say they scorched the sun? You know, they try to block it out. And um, 
uh, I just thought like, oh, God, and we can go back to the, we can go back to how, uh, quote unquote, big sugar, you know, um, uh, big sugar companies back in the day went as far as to pay off Harvard and other schools to fake uh, research saying that no sugar doesn't lead to obesity or is not unhealthy for you. It's really good for you, actually. I I was kind of thinking when you were talking about some of this stuff about the whole idea that we might have had like this Atlantean sort of culture, um, you know, with the Olmecs being able to either maybe the land was connected or they sold or actually led to the complete destruction and downfall of our civilization, which very well might be happening right now, hence the end of days. It's very possible. And some people think that Atlantis wasn't actually um, – uh, Atlantis was, a, was a, um, a utopian society or city, and it – and it was, and it bridged continents in some sense, but that it wasn't necessarily land. It, some people actually think that it was a fucking like a spaceship platform of some sort. And when shit got too bad, they literally just left. So I don't really know. But yeah, the whole Atlantis thing, I haven't really, I, I've dove into Atlantis slightly and I hear about, um, you know, these South American tribes, the Incas, the, um, the Mayans, how they have, uh, the Atlantean, uh, Atlantis, Atlantean soldiers. They have these huge statues of, you know, quote unquote giants, let's say, um, uh, that, uh, that are kind of like their, sort of their gods, but they're really kind of like, uh, they're, they're, they made these statues of them as like overseers and protectors or, so that they made them large enough to know that, you know, this is where you, this is where you come to when you come back, you know? Um, uh, so, so yeah, there's definitely, it's been engraved in our, in our, in our history for thousands and thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could say that, Hey, maybe they left or maybe the, civilization class or whatever it was but uh, the bottom line is that i don't think that human civilization can last that long without destroying itself because eventually somebody comes up with a weapon or people just spread all over the world and they have some kind of world war we've already had two of them and they say if we have another one it's not going to work out for us because the whole entire world is going to be destroyed and we'll have to see what happens i guess yeah, I mean the the narrative that um the uh, that United States and other countries would like you to believe is that you know the white man came from Europe and through disease that's how all of these tribes died it was through disease and that is complete garbage. I mean these people were literally conquered and murdered and made to be slaves basically if not just killed they they actually i mean for the most part they didn't need, need them around so they just murdered most of them because they had for the most part they had their own slaves that they could bring over if they needed to so they would just um they you know cortez and um uh uh they 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 came over first you have it with christopher columbus and taking over the dominican republic area and 
Puerto Rico first and mining for gold. And then Cortez comes over, kills a bunch of Mayans. And then um, a few years later, the Incas fell um, shortly after that, a few years later. So, I mean, just completely, completely um, ran, you know, obliterated these people off the face of the planet, you know, so that they couldn't maybe tell their story, maybe. Maybe this was some kind of the first, sort of the first, um, one of the, not the first, but one of the first American disinformation uh, plots. And um, Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, I think it's uh, a major case of not being able to tell our story. Like, I, I mean, I know that people that are members of those cultures probably know quite a bit about them. But where do we have, like, a real overall picture of the history of that area? We really don't. And it, it does seem like it's kind of been suppressed, especially during the period which you're talking about, because so many people were killed. So much stuff was looted out of there. And not only that, but they destroyed their religious artifacts and their, um, you know, things to do with their religion and their magics and stuff like that. We've lost so much knowledge just from those Catholics going around and just burning people's shit and burning actual people. We don't even know what the hell we lost. Yeah, and it's one of the reasons why you see a lot of this history um, dictate or depicted inside of caves a lot of the time, right? You never really see a lot of this stuff on the outside of places. It's a lot of the times you see it on the inside of caves. You know, the idea that, um, you know, some might say, oh, the Anunnaki or another tribe calls them this, or the um, Pueblos and the Zuni, they call them the star people and the Hopi, they call them the star people. And it's like, you know, these, these people who they're referring to save these people, save their ancestors from um, what they say was a giant flood, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. Um, we can even go back to biblical times, maybe. But um, the idea that these people were were um, resor- had to resort to living in caves for years, who knows how many years, um, you know, that was that's why we see a lot of these things inside caves. And uh, maybe you used to see them outside of caves, too, but uh, um, you would never know because you can't trust you can't trust the archaeologists or you can't trust the, you know, com- um, entities like the Smithsonian or Harvard. And it's like um, the, the idea of uh, first, you know, let me give you an example. So the uh, one of the oldest, like the, the Hopi, the Zuni, the um, I'm going to go back. I'm going to use these names a lot um, just because um these are the ones that I heard most recently from the seminar was that, you know, the, the idea of the serpent versus the Eagle is a narrative that has been flipped 100% on its head. So when you, when we talk, first of all, all the symbolism, you know, the Eagle, uh, you look at the Mexican flag, the Eagle um, captures the serpent, the Texan flag, don't tread on me with the, with the snake cut into a bunch of little pieces. The American symbol is the eagle. So in ancient times, the serpent or what they say or what they call the, or the snake or the, what they call the plumed serpent, which is basically, some people might say, um, you know, a dragon, 
you know, what you when you would when you would uh, refer to it like in Eastern um, Eastern culture, right? Dragon, the dragon always has like these bushy eyebrows and a, almost like a beard or like a little mustache, right? And um, so the the snake or the serpent or the I don't want to use the word reptile because that's kind of even been changed into a whole other thing. Um, but the the idea of the serpent is has such a negative um, negative connotation to it now. But really, the serpent was uh, was the enlight the symbol of enlighten uh, uh, enlightenment and ascension. Um, you know, uh, think about what a snake does. First of all, a snake can shed its skin, right? And it's time for a new growth or or, or uh, uh, being able to change itself. Um, remake itself let's say also serpents um i don't know if you know this but you know how bees pollinate um pollinate flowers right Mm -hmm. well snakes actually pollinate herbs i don't know if you know that but as they slither around i did not know that um yeah the the these um the pollination uh is spread to herbs by by snakes mostly and um, the Hopi and the Zuni, they really, you know, a, a lot of these states, they have these fucking terrible, like, they, they go, they have a day where they'll go out and, uh, I forgot what they call it, but they go out and they kill rattlesnakes, you know, and it's like a competition, like, who can kill the most rattlesnakes? And they'll go out into the desert and uh, just kill a bunch of snakes. Like, that's like a tradition that they have in a couple of these states. And um, the Native Americans hate that because the the medicine men need their herbs and the only way you grow herbs and pollinate them are through snakes so that's why it's been the sim- the symbol of the medicine men just like it is for you know the the blue cross or whatever the red cross red blue cross or blue shield what is it called anyway uh, yeah the yeah blue the, shield yeah, there's a there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of medical stuff that includes the serpent within yeah you know kind of, i've heard and, i've heard similar things that that um, the serpent has been turned into an, a visage of evil, when in reality, throughout most of history, it's, it is a symbol of wisdom, and it is a symbol of uh, what is good, actually. Yeah, and, the, and that the eagle was always like a totalitarian symbol, sort of like, it's the all-seeing eye. It's the, it, can, it, has a, it has a bird's eye view. It has a perspective that no other bird really has it has great vision you know and um but it's a it's, it's also a, a, a symbol of power in so many cultures like um rome mm-hmm. and also the nazis copied rome and used the eagle as a symbol we we copied uh rome as well we used the eagle like you mentioned earlier yeah we use the yeah and um for those of you who think that rome fell rome never fell it really just rebranded itself into the catholic church and if you think that that basically the the dark arts don't have some kind of stem in Rome, then you're kidding yourself because so much of the quote unquote power elites um, have a foot in this. You know, I don't know. There's, there's, there's so many names for all these stuff. You, I can never tell what's real, what's not. You know, you want to call them Saturnists, or you want to, you know, people who worship the black cube. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It, it's that. It's basically this. Uh, just think of a totalitarian, um, you know, 
almost a monarch in some sense is just uh, has has never gone away it's been here ever since it's been here ever since um you know rome first came to power and um you know um what i find funny too which resonated with me was that one of the um one of the more i got to find the name of it the cochina the cochina tribe i i don't know if it's a tribe or if it's a sect of another tribe of uh native americans you start they were they're kind of noted as being some of the most in tune um one of the more in tune cultures with these quote unquote star people or had one of the best had one of the most accurate um history uh of storytelling or whether it was written or not i don't know um uh that uh, of of these native americans that in um around the 1500s you know they most of them disappeared around the 1500s 1600s and what we see happening in europe at this time are the Jesuits coming in and what are they doing around this time 15 1600s the Jesuits are coming in and they're changing all the religions they're changing your christianity they're changing your your uh, uh, your is your islam they're changing your um your judaism whatever all, all these different religions the Jesuits came in around that time and um you know they changed everything so um they either rewrote the books or what really they did i think and what other people think is that they basically pit all these religions against each other by changing a couple of things in their book you know and so um these these native americans over here they uh they had they had a storied history with the quote unquote star people and um and uh yeah uh, around around the time of the 15 1600s when you see just all that go away yeah the jesuits had a huge influence on our reality around us one of my guests gregory lessing garrett he talks quite a bit about the things that the jesuits have done throughout history to manipulate us all and it's really crazy when you really get into it even hitler himself said that it was the Jesuits that were really good at manipulating people. He he said that he himself like wasn't anything compared to the type of crap that those guys pulled off. And if you want to learn how to be a friggin' shady manipulator, these aren't his words, but he said if you want to learn to be a shady manipulator, you got to look at the Jesuits because they'll show you how. Yeah, and <clears throat> so uh, I'm Armenian, and Armenia was the first nation to adopt Christianity as a nation in the year 301 AD. And um before that Armenians had been around for a thousand years at least before that at least. And they were mostly pagan, you know. And it's interesting because um one of the main symbols in paganism is the goat. and the fact that uh you know there's there's you know there's that there's that painting by um 
I want to say Da Vinci. I want to say it's Da Vinci. There's a painting where if you put it in a mirror, if you put it, if you basically flip the the image, um, Jesus <laughs> looks like a goat um, and with a third eye. Yeah, it's it, crazy. It, I'll I'll send you the link. It's a, it's a pretty interesting. You know, this is where this is the this is the theory of you know Jesus was an alien and the Immaculate Conception and Mary you know was just had a basically a train ran on her as Sam Tripoli said oh, damn. a train ran on her by aliens and um, <laughs> anyway that, that 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 you know that's you know, I don't want to I don't want to disrespect anybody's religion by saying stuff like that but <laughs> no no disrespect you know, at I, all <laughs> right I mean I myself I'm a, a loose you know I was I was bapt, I was christened I'm a technically a Christian, I guess you would say. <clears throat> I don't follow the book. Um, I think the book is all garbage. I, but it is good for historical what? and moral purposes. Well, let me I've ask always you something. kind of believed that. Let me ask you something. <laughs> if, you're, if you believe sure. that, do you believe in Revelations? Revelations is a fucking crazy book. Um, you know, do I believe in Revelations is... A hard answer, a hard question to answer because um, there's there's always a there's always a difficulty in trying to understand metaphors versus the reality of things, and there's a lot of historical things that we can take from uh, the Bible that are actual history that like for the most part people agree yeah that that happened you know and and then there's also a lot of hearsay and so um you know i'm not very well versed in the bible and but i mean like looking at looking at the world with the overpopulation and the environment collapsing and the pollution well same thing but or the money system and all the conspiracies, doesn't it seem to you like this time is pretty messed up and it might be kind of like what happened with Atlantis where shit just grew too much and there's too much going on and something had to give? Yeah, and that's the point that I I will make off of your point, which is, yes, you know, um, humans are humans. Whether or not we were created, uh, whether or not we were evolved, I don't know whether or not there was some manipulation in our gene pool. I don't know. But what I do know is that you see, you go back in history and you see a lot of the things, history repeating itself is that, you know, and so to think that all this, all that tells me is that the, that, that it alludes to the idea that, you know, maybe we've been around for a lot longer than people think and that this has happened before and what's happened before will just happen again. So at the time when, you know, I don't know how many people lived, how many people were alive during the age of the Bible, but, and um, so maybe from that standpoint, if you only think, let's just, I'm just going to throw out a, a random number. I have no idea. Let's just say, let's just think 100,000 people were on this planet during the time of the Bible. And I have no idea what, it, what, it, what that number is. But to think that we, have, we now have 7 billion, 
or close to it, that the idea that, oh, these people knew this with only 100,000 people living on the planet is crazy. So it must, like, you know, yeah, it, has, it, it has some more grandeur to it, you know? It's a little more grandiose, I should say. And, and all that tells me is that, no, there were probably humans much, much, much earlier than that. Much earlier. So with that, I would say, yes, I agree with you. Hey, do you mind taking like a 10-minute break so I can take a piss Sounds outside? Sounds great, man. All right, let's meet back here yeah. in like 10, 15 minutes. All right, you can hang up? Uh, no, you can stay on the line. Just turn your mic off or down. Okay, great. Okay, I'm just going to hang up. Cool. Bye. Okay. And we are headed to break, so I'm going to put some music on. <clears throat> hello, hello. We are back. This is End of Days Radio. Put this beanie on. See, just like that, I'm no longer fucking 36, 37. I'm fucking 29, right? I'm not losing my hair anymore. Good thing this lighting doesn't show all my wrinkles. Young forever <laughs> with the right lighting. <laughs> Ew. Anyways, let's get Dave back. Hey, bud. Hey, you're still here. I'm here, baby. So, I know we were into a whole thing, but I thought one thing that was interesting about what you were saying about... <coughs> oh, God! God Sorry. bless your soul. I was, you know how you're talking about the Smith, Smithsonian and the museums and all that? Mm-hmm. Well, some people... They believe that not only is the Smithsonian hiding history, real history, and even, like, giants and things like that, but there's people that think fucking dinosaurs are fake. Yeah, you know, um, did you have more on that, or would you like me to comment on that? Well, <laughs> there's a lot there, but just a there's few... There's a lot there. Yeah, a few points to bring up. They don't let you actually see the bones. All the actual bones are hidden away. Yes. And they tell you they don't let you see the bones because the bones are radioactive. They have the most bizarre excuse huh. for that. Huh. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Really? And then you have the fact that a lot of these dinosaur bones, they end up finding that, oh, we have a piece here from a woolly mammoth. Oh, this piece is from a bear. Oh, this piece is from a giraffe. Like, they're just mixed together bones from different animals and no yeah. complete dinosaur skeleton has ever been found, which is very puzzling. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I kind of the dinosaur thing is going to be kind of sort of the next thing that I'm going to really, that I've started to kind of dive into a little bit. <clears throat> Here's, uh, I always, first of all, I always thought that they didn't, that I've never heard that um, radioactive thing before. That's interesting. I don't, I don't necessarily say that that can't be it, but what I have always read was um, 
that the light is basically will it fuck with the integrity of the bone apparently, which I don't know. But uh, and they don't want discoloration, yada yada yada. So, and and I will say one thing though about that that um, I think it's uh, the you know the the idea that flash photography um, ruins paintings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> While I believe that to be true because I don't really have any scientific evidence to back up that it's not true. I also do believe that there's a narrative behind that that says we don't want you taking pictures <clears throat> and monetizing and monetizing off of basically art that we don't technically own but we own. You know? Like they can't they, they for example, they don't necessarily own um a a Van Gogh. Okay, no, I should say they own the Van Gogh. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Let's say, or the Da Vinci painting or whatever. Um, a lot of the times they do own it. A lot of times they do not own it, but it's still inside of the museum or it's donated under the terms that if the person ever wanted it back, they could always get it back, whatever. But um, I always thought that that was like, well, they don't really want you to take pictures of it so that you could fucking make money off it. They want to be able to make the money off it. If you take pictures of it, nobody will ever come to the museum. So you think it might just be because flash photography and stuff like that kind of just ruins stuff, breaks it down? I mean, you know, the, yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't, I've, I've just, from what I've read, and um, I remember when I was a kid, I went to, uh, I was, um, I would, we would go, I would, I would go to summer school at like, um, the fucking, uh, California, what is it called? The museum, the California Museum of Natural History and the California Museum or the Los Angeles Museum of Science and Industry. And there's these two museums that I believe are ran by the Smithsonian. Um, I, I could be wrong about that. Don't quote me, but uh, they always, it, all these museums have some sort of tie and affiliation. If it's not, it, a lot of the so what what you're saying is that they they're they're like interconnected. They have an overall ruling authority. Yeah, they they basically you know like it's um so I'll I'd like to um okay you know how Christianity is just Christianity right yeah but but Catholicism like if you want to open a Christian church you have to you could just open a Christian church. Okay, if you want to open um, a Catholic church, you have to go through the Catholic. It's like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Jiu-Jitsu. If you want to be considered a BJJ or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gym, you have to go through the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation to be anointed the title. You, but if you want to open a Jiu-Jitsu gym, you could just open a fucking Jiu-Jitsu gym if you want to. You have to you know? prove so it's kind of that, like that you have to prove that your skills actually come from the Gracie family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the same way all these certifications of, oh, I'm a curator at a museum, I'm a certified curator, I'm sure, I'm not, I, I, that's actually interesting, I should do research on that next, which is the curation process of how these people, like, of course, they have to have degrees from universities most of the time if you want to be considered an art historian or this historian, or, but the main bulk of the people that probably just work at the Smithsonian that give tours or whatever, they probably just have to be certified by a, excuse me, I had to burp. They probably just have to be certified by a company like 
that's probably ran by or in some way uh, connected with the Smithsonian. So they have like the ultimate say. Yeah. Um, have you heard of this comedian, comedian Owen Benjamin? Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, yes, I've met Owen a couple times. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's actually doing kind of a truth, truth sort of conspiracy sort of comedy type of thing. Yeah, I follow him. He has a has, his Instagram is awesome, man. It's hilarious. Yeah, some some people say that he's copying me or he's ripping me off, but I'm not really sure. I can see how that could be true, hmm. but also probably isn't. Interesting. Well, do you know it's funny because, um, and this kind of was gonna it will be perfect as it leads into something that I really did want to say about the Smithsonian and information about it. See, like, I there okay the um like again I don't want to use this term conspiracy theory, but I will use it because fuck the man and I will use it if I want to. But these the the conspiracy theory circle in itself is starting to become, I think, um, not tainted, but maybe tainted because there's always information and disinformation. We know that. That's like conspiracy theory 101. But more importantly, a lot of the same stories have kind of just, are just kind of getting passed around. And, and, um, and this, I'm, I'm sort of coming to Owen's defense here a little bit. Uh, I'm coming to Owen's defense a little bit in this case. And maybe he is ripping you off, but I have noticed that a lot of the information is the same. You know, it's like when you hear the news or you see articles that come out about something the first day or the first couple hours when a story breaks, they all kind of have like the same exact narrative, which is the the quote from the person and what that person said and then maybe just a couple blurbs about whatever. And so, you know, um, when I hear, um, oh, man, I, I'm going to kill myself for not knowing this guy's name. I got to find it real quick. Um, when I hear about, you know, I was watching this, um, uh, I, I'm a big fan of this podcast. I, I don't mean to like promote another one, but it's called Ken Foil Hat. And he's a comedian, Sam Tripoli. He's Armenian, half Armenian as well. Um, and, um, he had a guest on, which I'm going to find the name. And they were talking about the, um, uh, the Las Vegas shootings and how there were helicopters shooting down on people up to maybe six helicopters. And how to, how it's a Saudi, it was like a, uh, it was like a, the whole thing behind it was they were trying to kill a Saudi prince and it was other Saudis that were trying to do this or something and, um, or other Muslims maybe, and maybe not necessarily Saudis, but they think that it might have been a Saudi on Saudi, uh, try like a hit. And, um, and my point here is that, let me find the guy's name, um, that guys like this are really, you know, the real investigative reporters of kind of the movement that you and I love so much, right? This conspiracy movement. And like, so, so there are really not many people out there that really do the, you know, the groundwork and the footwork and try to put the connections together and all this kind of stuff. So when, when information gets spread, you might've heard it from the fourth or fifth person already but it's essentially the same information that, you know, somebody broke. You get what I'm trying to say here? Am I ranting too much? No, find no, the guy's I, name real quick. no but, I totally thought like the same thing myself. I mean, on one hand, I did sort of 
I mean, I don't know if I was the first person to do it, but I always kind of had this like comedy sort of truth thing that's been sort of my gimmick for the past however many years. But I can't say that one individual in particular is copying me because, for one thing, I'm not the only one that's doing it. Like Joe Rogan does a lot of conspiracy sort of stuff and, and Eddie Bravo. You know, I've been a big fan of those guys for a long time. I don't really know. I just noticed that there's some similarities. Like he talks about the logos and I talk about the logos. That's something that I can't oh, yeah. imagine that he would have got from somewhere else other than me. Like, it's how could he both be doing really? the comedy thing and saying really? the logo stuff and having this sort of comedy about, you know, uh, having having a lot of jokes about, like, this Jewish conspiracy and not being serious about it, but kind of just mm. joking about it and having a lot of joking sort of uh, interplay with the idea of feminism and stuff like that. I see stuff like that, and I think, boy, that is really close to... I don't even want to call it material because I'm not a stand-up comic or anything like he does. I'm just a guy with a podcast, but it's been like what I've been talking about for years and years, and I can't help but notice certain similar similarities there. I just watched a few of his videos. I don't know. I'm not accusing him. I don't know. I just notice similarities. That's all I can say. Well, um, one thing I would say is uh, a, an easy way to um, to see if maybe the guy's a fan of you or listens to your stuff is invite him onto the podcast and have a real discussion about it. And I, I tried. And he's I, like, sent him an, I sent him an oh, email. Really? I was saying, like, dude, I, I'd like to have you on, this, on the show. Just talk about, you know, crazy stuff, paranormal, whatever. No response. Well, I'll say one thing, too, about... Um, uh, so I just mentioned this guy, comedian, this comedian, Sam Tripoli. So he's had a... He's had a um, He's had a podcast for a few years now, maybe about three years, called Tinfoil Hat. It's on All Things Comedy, which is ran by Bill Burr and a couple and John Madrigal, which are other famous. You know, do you know Bill Burr? He's like a famous comedian, obviously. Yeah. In Los Angeles, so they have like a, they basically have like a podcast studio. I don't know if you've ever heard of All Things Comedy, but it's like a it's like a you know it's a pseudo. Uh, it's basically a podcast company is how I would like to put it, and they have like you know eight or nine different comedians on the quote unquote payroll. And then they come on and they do their different various shows. Well, one of those shows is Sam Tripoli's um, tinfoil hat. And he has Eddie Bravo on um, probably at least once or twice a month, maybe less, maybe more. And, you know, they talk about their stuff, but he also, he's been, you know, he puts out consistent material every single, you know, three, four times a week. He's putting out stuff on everything, the occult and dark arts and black youth Saturn and Bigfoot and, um, you know, Las Vegas shooting and stuff like that. So how, um, how long is he, how long maybe, have they been doing maybe it? He, maybe he found your information. Maybe Sam found your information and then Owen heard from Sam is what I'm thinking maybe too. Cause Sam is very di- diligent on the stuff that he, um, that he talks about. Like he's, you know, he talks about, he, you know, a lot of the stuff that I'm into that, that I'm telling you right now, you know, a lot of the stuff that I'm saying, even I've at least heard once or twice on his show. <clears throat> yeah, and also these sort of topics, they're exploding in popularity. I mean, I don't know if I yeah. had anything to do with that or nothing to do with that. Um, you know, you always want to thank Well, you definitely, you, you know, yeah, you definitely started, so what, six years ago, you said? Uh, I mean, well, it was, it was back in yeah. like 2012, so technically we're like, what? Um, yeah, more. Seven years ago? Seven then? almost. Yeah. I mean, I don't That's know. Awesome. I'm not like accusing the guy of copying me. I don't really know. There's There's a lot of like true stuff and a lot of comedy stuff out there. I don't know. I mean, I, anybody could kind of say that it's very possible. He may have been inspired. If if he is doing that, I still can't really complain that much because here I'm talking about this stuff and calling it truth. 
I can't complain if people are spreading the same information that I believe to be true because they're just telling people what the truth is, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, what I will do now is um, I'm going to be watching his stuff more with a closer eye, and um, I will report back to you uh, regarding my uh, my findings. But you've met and him. And I'll He's... give an unbiased, he... an unbiased opinion. You've met him, though? He's a pretty cool guy? I. I, I've met him briefly. I said hello and goodbye to him. I, we never had any conversation. I met him maybe three times at the comedy store, but I've never had a conversation with the guy. I have no idea if he's a nice guy or not. Yeah, I mean, I just like to have him on the show and talk to him. I mean, I'm not going to, like, start accusing him or anything like that because there's no way I could possibly know that, and I doubt he'd admit it. I'm not going to be like Joe Rogan going around and, like, confronting comedians. Oh, you stole this joke from this person. I'm going to beat you up sort of thing. I mean, I would never do that. That's that doesn't make sense to me either. If you want a good show, I think you should ask Sam Tripoli to be on your show. And I'll send you his link. And, um, yeah, you should ask him. And he, he would definitely be the, the perfect guest for, this, for your show. 100%. 100%. Yeah, I mean, I'm down to talk to anybody. I like having people that have a little bit of a name. But I also like talking to pe- – I, I actually prefer to talk to people that are coming up, like yourself. Because there's been people that have come on this – program and then they end up going on coast to coast or they end up you know kind of exploding so um you know i can't guarantee that people are going to notice you from this program but i can guarantee people are going to fucking hear you that's for sure yeah um that's 100 percent true and um you know uh the kind of the new age of podcasting and stuff too i mean look i'll level um, with you i'll level with you dave like you know, yes, part sir. of the reason I'm so impressed with what you're doing is sometimes I think I'm a little bit funny. Like, I think maybe I could maybe I could expand. A lot of these fucking stand-up comedians have podcasts. Maybe I could do it in reverse and have a podcast and do stand-up. I've never worked up the balls because it sounds really fucking scary. I've never worked up the balls. I don't know if I ever will. But I think the people that do that are really incredibly brave. Thank you very much. And obviously... With anything, you have to practice at it, and um, you got to. Uh, the uh, when I realized that I like I don't like well for after getting fired, uh, uh, I kind of realized um, I. Did you say why you got when fired, I wanted, or are you not sharing that? I I didn't I didn't say why I got fired. No, nah, it's not important. It's really okay. I mean, I went to I jail. Cry. I went to jail a couple of times. <laughs> I, I went to jail a couple of times um, on ba- some basic, really bullshit weed recharges. Oh, and that was, yeah. That's not like a we're crime. talking. We're talking. Yeah, we, we're talking at a time where like the 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 um uh we're talking at a time where basically the fed federal government had basically told California, all right, we're not going to be arresting people on weed anymore. This is comes like. This, that happens in like 2014, 2015 in California when the federal government pretty much said, all right, we're not going to be going after this. We have to put our money elsewhere because it's just a waste of time and money and everything. And um, so I got popped like in 2014, you know, and then with certain circumstances um, led me to having to uh, forfeit my forfeit my license for seven for up almost seven years five years pretty much so i won't be able to reapply now for another five years 
it's a cool story though because you actually hit rock bottom before you decided to do this in a way. Yeah, I mean, and I, I was using a lot of drugs and I was doing a lot of cocaine and smoking a lot of weed and drinking a lot of uh, beer and uh, and I still couldn't do that. Holy but, shit, dude! <laughs> I didn't know you did cocaine. But, uh, I mean, fucking judo throwing excels on coke that blows my mind. <laughs> oh, I didn't start. I didn't start doing cocaine until after. Well, I want to say. And I, for sure after, like, my bachelor's degree. But maybe once I started law school, I think around that time is when I started using a little bit. Maybe a, a little bit after law school, to be honest with you. So it's, like, not that long ago. It's probably, like, I mean, that, damn, now that I think about it, I've been, you know, probably doing it for eight years. Did you just have too much money? Years. Okay. Not that I had too much money, but it's just... um yeah, I don't know. It's just the circle I ran with, and I still kind of do run with. So it was like a partying thing. You just did it with yeah, your bros yeah. to have fun, and then you got addicted. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of people like that. They do coke recreationally, or they say they do, but it sounds like you got hooked. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still a frequent user. I mean, I'm not, I haven't changed it <laughs> at oh, all. Oh, damn. You're admitting it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't see why it's so, um, honestly, I don't see why it's so wrong to admit it. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty fucked up, first of all, like the crack academic, how black people spend years in jail for crack, but white people get to get get away with it and call it cocaine. So, um, you know, what the fuck, I'm a party animal. I don't do heroin. You, no, I, I take, think if uh, you can, I'll, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think if you can keep that up and keep being honest... I can see a definite future oh, yeah. for you because th that's one thing, like, as a fan of Howard Stern, uh, you mentioned him earlier, that's, like, his whole thing is being just honest. That's how he did everything yeah. was just deciding one day to be honest as fuck. Yeah, and literally coming from, like, the piece of shit lawyer realm where, like, every – look, everybody hates a lawyer except other lawyers because every other person, deep down, they fucking hate them. And uh, whether it's your lawyer, even there's always an angle, like fucking piece of shit this or piece of shit that, until they get you off on something, and then you thank them, and then when they send you the bill, you fucking piece of shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like it, it's a and like that. You know, I always I had a bit in my I have a bit in my thing uh, in my stand up where I say like you know I talk about how you know when when I was a drug when I used to sell weed everybody loved me and then I became an attorney and everybody hated me and so the uh, the the truth is, like, you know, I probably self-sabotaged myself a little bit, too, with my law degree and by not, by not um, like, being more diligent on allowing them to suspend me. But, um, but I'm kind of happy it happened now because it's not like they can't ever, like, it's not like if I ever need to, like, I can't go back to it, which I probably honestly won't. <laughs> Hopefully I can make it in the next five years. Where I won't, I won't have to, uh, uh, you know, go back to that. But if I do, um, the point is, my point being was that, like, I was kind of done with it. And when I started, like, thinking, okay, what am I doing? I honestly just thought, fuck, like, I really want to do stand up. I love it. I've been a fan of it for so long. I, my, my, honestly, my first real passion was, like, I wanted to be on the radio. Like, I've always been a radio junkie. I used to listen to Phil Hendry back in the day. You know, he's the guy who would, like, famously 
pretend to be his own caller and then call from a phone and change his voice and then pick fights with the with himself, the host, and other callers that didn't really know what the gag was. <clears throat> That's like the late 80s, early 90s. And then, of course, I started listening to Howard Stern literally probably when I was six years old because my brother was listening to him. He's 12 years older than me. He was like 18, you know? So anytime we take you to school in the morning or whatever, oh, hell yeah, I fucking love Howard Stern. What do you think of... I have, uh, what do you think of Curtis Stern versus? Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I just want to say that um, I do have a lot of complaints about the the sort of the uh, the the entity of the Howard Stern show and like the sort of like the show itself is great. How it's ran, I'm, I don't agree with. But yeah, that's just like a whole other whole other situation. <laughs> what do you I'm mean? sorry to cut you off. What were you saying? What do you mean? This just, you know, it's just a, I don't know, it's just a, um, it's just, it's a, I, I just, I hear about the environment in which, you know. Okay, let I me guess ask you this. Did you like it, did you like it better when they would do more like stand-up comedy? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you like it better when they would do like stand-up comedians and people like that instead of just like mainstream celebrities all the time? Yeah, sort of. I do kind of. But but then again, um, you know, wh- one thing I, I will say about Howard Stern is like he is such a great interviewer because he really will ask hard questions, not hard questions, but deep questions, you know, about your emotions and all. And then like they'll look for stuff to, you know, really ask the tough questions <clears throat> and um, not not like not like tough questions like, you know, an interrogator. But, you know, try to get people to open up is what they always like to say. But, you know, that form, he, when he st- really started to come into his own, like with these long-form interviews, like people had already been doing podcasts in this form for years. And, like, so I think that he kind of likes to say that he really started that long-form interview type. But I don't, but I don't, but I don't really agree with that. He is a, That's my only gripe on it. He is a great interviewer for sure. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he'll ask people about stuff that nobody else would get away with. Like he can ask, do you jerk off or have you done this or that? And he could totally get away with it. Whereas if I did that, I'd get shut down in like two seconds. He'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, you'll, you'll never make it if you ask questions like that. Well, yeah, that's like, that's it. Obviously you have to know your audience. And when I say that, I mean, like, the person you're interviewing. So, like, you know, if you ask somebody like me or even another comedian, like, about jerking off, that might run well. But he'll ask somebody like Conan. Or not Conan's even a bad, a bad like, somebody like fucking, I don't know. Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, like, somebody say, like that. Yeah, something like, so, yeah, well, sort of, yeah. But you, exactly, like Arnold Schwarzenegger or some shit like that, exactly. Or, like, even like a, like a, like a female, like a, like a, you know, who did he just have on? Uh, that girl from Friends? Rachel from Friends? What's her name? Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Like, he might ask Jennifer Aniston, like, do you masturbate still and shit like that? And it would be fine. And she would, like, totally answer it, like, without any, the, know. Probably my favorite Stern moment of all time, like, if I if I have to pick the funniest one, uh, it was when <clears throat> Gary the Retard, that was his name at the time. He has a different name now. And Wendy the retard, they were talking to uh, Daniel Carver <laughs> from the KKK, and then they were like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. totally racist. 
<laughs> it was terrible, but it was like the funniest thing that I've ever heard. Terrible, but hilarious. Yeah. They used to have, oh man, I mean, I don't want to go on and on about this, but they used to have, my favorite is the, um, the black Israelites. And it's like these two black, Is- first of all, he brings in two black Israelites and then two like Jews from <laughs> fucking, Man- from Manhattan. And to talk about Jewish politics, sort of, and in a, in a sense, and religion, and a little bit of Judaism, and um, so, and it, it's, if you get a chance, watch that, and it's like these two black guys are really serious, and they talk about how Hebrew is like a. He's like, like, do you guys do you guys speak Hebrew? He's like, we do not talk that. Uh, we do not speak that uh, Slavic version of Hebrew. We speak the. Or we speak. We speak original Hebrew, blah blah blah. We are the chosen people of Israel, not not the the and, and you know, Jews you see in America and stuff like that. This is actually a cool topic because there is actually some evidence that points to the fact that the original Hebrew people probably were black. That's what I found from my own sort of independent research. Yeah, I believe that. I mean, you know. Um, I don't know what year the Armenian alphabet was made, but I do know that the Ethiopian, but it's the same alphabet. An Armenian created the Armenian alphabet, but and then Ethiopia later on, I don't know when, um, took it and uh, used the same alphabet, but it has a different phonetic sound to it. But I know, but so... um, there are strong ties. I mean, you basically Saudi Arabia, um, you know, Saudi Arabia. I'm trying to think of where else. Egypt. Well, Egypt's in North Africa, so that's Africa. But Saudi Arabia is like right across from the Sudan, and uh, just like the Bering, like a, some some small, some short, not some small. But there's a sea that separates them. That's not very big, you know. Um, so I don't know exactly how far it is, but it's it's right there. You know, and, and so, yeah, I mean, that area of Saudi Arabia, um, Iraq, Iran, I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit over here, but Iraq, Iran, Turkey, Armenia, that whole kind of area is kind of what they call, you know, the cradle of life or whatever. But, um, you know, the landmass probably was looked a lot different. And um, who knows if the original people were black or white or what the fuck. I have no clue. Yeah, it's really hard to say, but one thing that's interesting is that in a lot of the Sumerian, I think they call them a cuneiform tablet, something like that, they, they refer to the humans as the black-headed people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that makes me think, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. yeah, maybe there's something there. I mean, I don't know. It's impossible to really know, but it does seem like a lot of history has been kind of whitewashed. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Literally whitewashed. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know much about that. I mean, um, I know that there's the, you know, there's the Caucasus Mountain they talk about. There's the, I don't know if they call it the Af, if it's not Afro. Uh, there's another, there's another area where black people come from. I don't know what they called it. There's like the Caucasus Mountain, and then like the the like the 
place where like the Mongolians came from and Asian people. You know, there's like three distinct type of humans. The the black, the white, and the Asian. Yeah. Were basically the first. And so I don't really know which came first or what or any theories really behind it, but I, uh, as like most stories, but that does make sense because I know like, so the Sumerian tablets, that's like the King's list and all that stuff, right? Like with the Anunnaki and yeah. everything, I believe. Do you, uh, yeah, that stuff's crazy. Do you, do you date other races or do you primarily date Armenian girls or white girls or what? And, um, I dated a, I've dated a Filipino girl, dated, dated. I've dated a Filipino girl in high school. I dated a, like a, a white girl in high school too. And then after high school, the girls I dated, um, I had, I was in like two decently long relationships in my twenties from like 1920 to like 25. I dated a half Armenian, half Mexican girl. Her dad was Armenian. Her mom was straight from, from Jalisco. You know, he like went to, he was, he had been, his family had been here, her dad's family had been here for years and years and years since like the 1920s. My family didn't get here until like 19, uh, like the 1960s almost. Were your parents, my dad, my parents. Were your parents excited that you were dating an Armenian girl? Yeah, of course. And then, um, and then I dated a half Armenian, half Chilean girl. Her mom was Chilean and her dad was Armenian again. And, um, and we went out for like five, four or five years, six years, something like that. So like I was in two long relationships in my 20s, so I didn't really date. But, you know, it's just because, uh, you know, I have a lot of Armenian friends and then you go to parties and these are kind of the people that you meet. But I, my high school was mostly um, Hispanic, Do 90%, uh, 90% Hispanic. So a lot, of, a lot of the girls that I've hooked up with, are all, have a lot of them have just been Latina. I know you're more Latina of like... girls or Hispanic girls or Mexican girls. I know you're more of like... I don't want to say urban, but you're, you seem more like a city type of guy. You're from LA, you go to clubbing and stuff like that. Do you ever go out into nature? Do you hunt or fish or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> I go, I go clubbing. I do not go clubbing. First of all, I never, ever went club. I hate strip clubs. I hate clubs. I like bars and I like comedy clubs. It's kind of always where I've hung out my whole life really. But, um, the uh, I was a Boy Scout until the age of 17 or technically 18, I guess. And um, after that, I always enjoyed doing. I don't really hunt. It's not really for me. Um, I don't. I definitely have no um, problem with people hunting. Whether I don't, I have a problem with people hunting for game. But um, if there's a purpose for hunting, like you know, overpopulation and stuff like that, and you're not necessarily eating the meat, that's fine, I guess. If you're eating the meat, that's great. Um, I don't really, I, I just, I, I get sad. Like, I, um, I used to, I used to, my brother and I, my brother was in the Marines, and I used to, uh, he, he bought me a pellet gun, and we would go on the, out in the back and, you know, kill pigeons and sparrows and stuff like that. And, like, when I was, and so I'm, he, he went off into the Marines, right? And one day I'm like, all right, like a few weeks after he leaves, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go in the back and, um, you know, shoot some birds. But, like, without him there, I was like, I don't really want to kill these birds. You know, I don't, I don't, there's no reason for me to just shoot them, you know? And then I just kind of never went hunting after that. But I, I, I enjoy going to Joshua Tree, 
going rock climbing when I can. Not like real rock climbing, but kind of like bullshit rock climbing, you know, where you're still using equipment, but you're not really going like crazy. Or, um, and then, um, I will go on an occasional hike, but yeah, I'm mostly a, a seated person. What do you think of, you know, popular topic nowadays? What do you think of these kids that are getting put on hormones when they're like six or seven years old to become transgendered? Don't like it. Don't do it. I don't even want to talk about this issue. Next question, please. Oh, oh, damn. That was strong. I don't even want, I don't even, I don't even want to put any light into this, any, uh, Foreshadowing, foreshadowing is a bad word. I don't want to put, I don't want to put any spotlight on this. I think it's a terrible idea. I, um, I know there are success stories, but, um, where people were like, you know, not, not even success stories. What, what you hear are people who didn't get this done when they were a child years ago. Okay, when it was available years ago for them to do it. And, um, and there are people that, uh, are happy they didn't, they didn't do it, or they're unhappy that did, they didn't do it. What we don't know, what we don't have really are success stories of people who did it. You know, all you hear, I mean, I'm sure there are, if this is what you want to do it, uh, as an adult or at a certain age, fine, do it. But I don't think that there's any, I mean, I don't think there's any recourse for, for not recourse. There's any there's any reason for for a, a child to do that. I'm sorry, I don't. Do you? I know I asked you this in one of our last two encounters here on air, but do you lean left or right politically? I've um, technically. I mean, I don't want to keep quoting Sam Tripoli, but. I, he always talks about how um, he has liberal, you know, he's an old school liberal where like he's, if you want to have, if you want to have guns, you can have guns. If you, um, you don't want war though. Okay. Or like, actually it's more of like a libertarian kind of point. Like if you want to have guns, have guns, but like liberals and libertarians are kind of in the, on the same side a little bit. Um, you know, you don't want to be taxed a shitload. That's a kind of libertarian kind of view. Um, like, I don't want war. I don't want, uh, I don't need, I don't want necessarily a big military. We've seen how good of an economy Germany and Japan can have by basically not having a military, obviously because now after World War II, we started protecting them. And what did they do? They went and put all their money into tech. And now they're, they have, uh, like Japan makes all the best uh, manufacturing equipment. That's kind of where you see how how evolved technologically your um, like when when you're uh, who, the innovators. It's like <clears throat> when you build manufacturing equipment, meaning you build the machines that build the machines. Like that's when you know you're like ahead of the game. Germany and Japan they make the best manufacturing equipment on the planet. And that's because they were able to spend a lot of money on technology and uh, not necessarily on a uh, on um, a military. And the whole idea of a military complex and all this stuff, I don't like any of that. But um, I did vote for Trump, um, and I probably will vote for him again. Um, so I don't really know. 
I've, the reason for that though is not because I'm a conservative. Um, it's more of, and I said, I said this, um, in probably 2015, maybe not I said this, but I heard, that, well, this is the thought that I had when I heard about, um, I, I had, was listening to Coast to Coast again and I, they were talking to a, a Clinton, like somebody who had worked with the Clintons very, very closely on Coast to Coast. It was a great interview, and he talked a lot about um, how uh, automation is going to kill jobs and stuff like that. And, he's, and he put it like this. He said, like, at one point, um, tech and the government are going to – their, their lines are going to intersect where government is going to have to limit how much tech is used in the workforce because you're going to get to a point where there's just not going to be any – there's no, there's no money. And maybe that's a, maybe that's a, um, um, sort of like a, uh, alludes to the idea that, you know, you want to live in that, that these people maybe want to live in a more social environment. So like a socialism type of environment where everybody, everybody kind of, lives a good life, not a shitty socialism life, but like a really high quality life and there's just no jobs. And that might have to be the, the, I, the, the case one day where like we're just able to live our lives and we have the jobs that we have to do, but we all kind of live very well. I would love that. You know, I'd love to really just sit on my yeah. ass and every so once in a while a cube comes out of this tube and I eat the cube and then I just go back to just staring at the wall. Oh, why does it have to be a cube, dude? I don't like that. The cube, beware the black cube of Saturn. Well, it's probably going to end up being human flesh that we're eating. Oh, because God. Soylent Green is yeah, people. you know, um, yeah, the um, that whole uh, spirit cooking stuff is fucking weird, man. I don't. Even, ugh, what so was weird. that? I can't even look. It's hard for me to research stuff like that too, because you see it and it's like, what the fuck is that? Well, it's so crazy out there that some guy in Japan actually found a way to make hamburgers out of shit. Wow. Yes. That's... You're eating, like, sanitized cool. shit. I mean, you know what? You know, um, I heard uh, one of the very few TED Talks that I've ever listened to because I think TED Talks are the ultimate home for shills. <laughs> the ultimate shill home. And Agreed. Like, it's like the ultimate, um, the there's always some kind of narrative that they're fucking pushing on something, and it's always some kind of stupid like, oh, I don't want to get into it. But um, one of the more one of the ones I listened to was about um, fecal fecal uh, fecal transplanting, meaning they take somebody else's good clean shit and they i i think they literally kind of like stick it up your ass and what it does is it kind of like makes your body it like it makes your body think okay it makes your body think that when you shit this clean shit out that it needs to do certain things to over to re-regulate how your body works so like that sounds ass backwards, no pun intended, but the um but the 
the idea, you know, it doesn't really sound that crazy because, you know, like I always, when I was a kid, I used to think, why the fuck do you give like Adderall to people with over, with over hyper personalities already? Like that doesn't make sense to me. Wouldn't you give somebody who's like slow and shit Adderall? But the, the idea behind it is that what it does is, oh, so I asked my cousin who, who's a podiatrist and he said that when you're over hyper, right? Let's say there's a number. Let's say we put a number on hyperness, right? Yeah. And you're at a fucking nine. Well, what happens when you get to 10 or 11 is your body re-regulates itself. So if you're always at a nine and you're never hitting that governor, then your body's never going to re-hit it, re-level itself. So you give it the Adderall so that it goes over the top and then the body naturally um, regulates itself instead of giving a downer to somebody that's hyper. I just can't get rid of that visual of I'm going to take somebody else's shit and, like, stick it up my behind. <laughs> yeah, stick it up your ass or eat it, especially. Like, yeah. Japan, it's like that it's South healthy. Park. Japan. That South Park where they were, like, sticking food yeah. in their butts and shitting out their mouths. Yeah, when Carmen shits out his mouth. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, the uh, uh, one thing I wanted to to talk about was you know when we're getting back on this whole smithsonian thing here is like um i mentioned like spirit cooking right and it's hard to even research this stuff what i've fucking noticed is that it's so hard to research corruption in the smithsonian and in harvard there's so much like basically they've created uh an entity on the website uh, on on the internet to where like they produce, so like, let's say you type in like Smithsonian fraud or cover-ups or something. It's like the Smithsonian releasing articles about other cover-ups or other frauds and stuff like that. So you never, like, you have to go hundreds of pages before you find uh, any of uh, some of this stuff. It's fucking Google is such garbage. Yeah, I've noticed that they've been really editing quite a few things. Like, if you search certain topics, you basically get the one side that they want you to read. Here we – I mean, you're, you're like me. Like, we we were, like, a couple of original ninja bros. Like, when I started that forum, it was all about freedom and, like, saying whatever you want. I mean, you know, whether or not we we lived up to that grandiose claim. Well, we had a place, we, we had a place for it, you know. There was a place for that type of – talk and there was a place for um well-managed chat that's what i like to call it but the thing is we're all on the same shit now we're all on twitter we're all on instagram we're all sort of beholden to whatever google or whatever huge company wants us to believe and wants us to think we're becoming like mind-controlled slaves to whatever social media platform we're all forced on because it's fun and everybody's on there and all the fucking celebrities and people like that are on there. We, we all got, and we can easily access it from our phones. It's too much to say no to. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, now, you know, YouTube, obviously, and have you, uh, have you gotten any of your stuff demonetized? If you don't mind me asking, because I know YouTube <laughs> has been doing, um, demonetization of conspiracy stuff. And, Let, um, let's put it this the, way. Uh, let's like, put it this way. I haven't made money off of any of this shit besides donations for a very, very long time. Let's put it that way. 
I hear you. No, I, I completely understand. And it, especially, too, with uh, YouTube, you know, you got, what do you have, like 3,800 subscribers? You know, if you don't pretty much start making money until after, like, 10,000 subscribers. You, you never make money and then, YouTube. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you, man. That's, In and the that's, olden even, days. that's more admirable that you're doing it. And that's kind of the same reason why I, you know, you know, I let, I'd lo- I want to think that I'm really just bullshitting and trying to pass the time and looking up information about this stuff. But like fucking I'm technically doing research. Like I want to know these things and like, I, I want to know, um, you know, uh, has, did Harvard really manipulate, uh, uh, research from, uh, this or that. And, and I want to know, did the Smithsonian steal and destroy artifacts and things like that? Because, um, you know, that it's, it's our, it's our nature to know, obviously. So yeah, that, the, um, the algorithm, and especially too, like the best is this, like, let's say you're looking up a quote unquote conspiracy theory, right? You watch a video and then fucking next re- recommended video is always a debunking fucking video. Eddie Bravo, I heard that from, and I fucking, I, for the last year or two that I heard that, I've been fucking paying attention to it, and it's so fucking true. And now, <clears throat> it's kind of, you know, this kind of goes back. Oh, by the way, that guy's name was John Cullen. That that did the, um, oops, sorry. Um, uh, that guy's name was John Cullen, who uh, was talking about the, um, the, the Las Vegas shooting and how he thinks that it was a Saudi-on-Saudi crime but um the the point i'm getting back to was that uh youtube now like google has already been doing for years you know they're starting to curate what you watch a lot more than just recommending stuff that they think that you'll like now they're pushing their own fucking narrative you mentioned eddie bravo that's that's one guy that I've wanted to have on this show for so long. That's like the fucking white well at this point is getting Eddie Bravo on here. Yeah. Um, and Eddie, I'm sure I've never met Eddie. I, well, I actually, I have met him. Remember, I, I'm sure I posted this on Ninja Shoes in 2007. I, um, I'm for sure 100% posted on Ninja Shoes. In 2007, I, ref, I grappled against one of his... Um, one of his uh, students, and I have the video of him, like, you know, get going crazy because I'm just, like, controlling this guy. on. Uh, I'm on top the whole time. And um, fucking, you just see Eddie Bravo, like, ah, oh, fuck. So I met him briefly there, and I have seen him around the comedy store here and there, but I have never really spoken to him. But um, I'm telling you, get go out, um, uh, ask Sam Tripoli, because if you, if you get Sam on... You, there's a there's a chance you'll be able to get Eddie on after that maybe because Eddie's obviously he's I think he's a lot more busy you know I know he listens to this show though nice yeah I mean Good. how could he not this is like all the crap that he's sort of into I doubt he'd admit it but I know he listens to like every episode the um yeah you know what I like so this whole idea you you brought it up before about the Giants. Right. We've talked about this on other podcasts like um, I didn't know. Apparently there was like some recent like not video, but like a recent thing in Iraq that happened where like 
Americans had to shoot a fucking, I don't know if it was Americans actually or Iraqis. They had to like shoot a giant. He, the guy just came out of a cave all of a sudden, a redheaded giant, fucking like 12, 13 feet tall, came out of the cave with a fucking spear and they had to shoot him dead, <laughs> apparently. They're like, it's a fucking redhead. Get him. No, he's fucking dead. Oh, by the way, he's also a giant. Oh, cool, a giant. Yeah. You know, and I think the the it's funny how the redheaded giant, I think that's an important narrative, too, is when we talk about the specific redheaded giants, because that's sort of a reason why you see red hair in every single, almost every single like civilization but like it's very sparse right <clears throat> it's like you don't you don't like it, it's it's sparse it's not sparse obviously in ireland you see it everywhere but like you you get mexicans with red hair sometimes you get jews with red hair you, there's some armenians with red hair you get even some asian people sometimes with red hair and it's like um you don't really see it too much with black people obviously I guess I've never really noticed, thought about that. Like, you don't really see redheaded. Mm. Maybe they just got some other there's, there's dominant black genes people that from them. Who knows? There is, for sure. There has to be. It's, presum- it's one of those traits that's, like, in every human, but, like, it's a recessive trait in all humans, I think. And that's just, I, that always was, like, weird to me. Like, anybody could just, you could just fucking have a redheaded kid out of nowhere. And it's like, yeah. That's why they always say the redheaded stepchild. Like, people would get killed for it because they thought that the person was an adulterer, you know? Or they'd give him a scarlet letter or some shit. That redheaded child shit is so true. I saw this one lady just, like, beating the shit out of this... She was being nice to all of her other kids, but the redhead kid was just getting it. And I was was watching, I was like, oh my god, it's true. The redheaded kid is treated bad. Yes. Yeah, it's fucked up because, because people used to think that, like, the... The, it's like a bastard child. So that's why they always get their fucking asses beat. And it's so sad, dude. Like, but like, you learn, like, no, like, technically, not, I mean, the whole thing about the redheaded giants, you know, I would love to, I would love for that story to be true. I don't know if it is. But what we know is that, like, <clears throat> almost every single human has that redheaded trait that's a recessive gene in their in their gene. And they might genes. they might also have a giant gene too because you do have there individuals like like the big show or Andre the Giant, et cetera, et cetera. You have Braun Strowman, um you know, the giant Gonzalez. Unfortunately most of these people I know are pro wrestlers, but it just so happens <laughs> that yeah, there's only so many jobs you can do when you're that big. That's I mean funny. if you're huge you're gonna become a wrestler. But all these guys, I'm willing to bet they have those genes from the Nephilim or the Giants or the Anakim or whatever sort of group of giants you wanna name, they've gotta be their descendants. They gotta be carrying like their recessive genes because there's no way to explain why these people are so ginormous. Yeah, and um um the so yeah, that that goes. That's kind of how I first started um, getting into the Smithsonian cover-up stuff. Was like, I so saw I, I I found out about those artifacts in 1909, the article or 1906, the article, and <clears throat> and then the next big thing was like, oh, these guys are snatching giant bones everywhere, and we and the thing is too, like 
with the mounds, these these Native American mounds, and I I want to bring up one other thing too, which was a, which we'll go over. But the the Native American mounds, like who knows if they've been ransacked or not. Um, but that kind of goes under the whole uh, American government narrative as well. Like they come in, they technically own the land. Um, they allow the they entrust it to the Indians who lived there for years. And, but they basically can do whatever they want. And so, you know, if they end up finding something in the future, they can pretty much, the government comes and snatches it or the Smithsonian snatches it. And like, I, like, I figure the, I figure the Smithsonian to an extent, first of all, they, they basically pay zero taxes. They make hundreds of millions of dollars a year. They get all kinds of donations. Everything is donated to them, blah, blah, blah. They're like, I'm sure there's money laundering going on in that organization. It's basically a non-governmental organization or an NGO. And whether or not it's classified as one, I don't know. It's probably classified as a non-profit or some kind of bullshit. You know, if you, and, ask, me, um, if you ask me, I think that everything is part of what you're talking about, including our concepts yeah. of space and all that shit. History, maybe the dinosaurs, nuclear weapons, you know, a lot of these truth topics they talk about nowadays. I don't think that every single one of those conspiracies is real. Of course not. But there's at least some truth to all of them. And it shows you that we really do live in like this matrix of lies, this reality, this complete fucking fabricated fantasy bullshit that some crazy ass elite banker, magician, psychopath, Satan worshippers want us to live. They want us to live this fucking reality where they're off butt fucking goats and taking all our money. Yeah, the you know, if you believe the simulation theory and to an extent, I, I sort of do. I keep definitely keep an open mind to it. it. You also have to think, too, which is like my simulation could be different than your simulation, too. Like people might think of this, call this the Mandela effect. People might say the Mandela effect, you know, is that I'll get into that afterwards. You know, like what well, some people think that he died in this. Some people think, you know, some of this might be um, as, or like a flat earth versus a round earth. Like to me, like. I don't, I don't want to necessarily say that, like, I physically see things differently than you physically see things, because I'd like to believe that that's not true, but I don't know that to be not true. Like, you might physically, you know, if you believe in the simulation theory, why wouldn't it be, imp why would it be impossible for whoever is doing this to say, um, to, like, program you to see one way and me to see another way physically. Now, of course, um, consciously, you know, we could think different things and see a per perspective versus a different perspective. So, yeah, I mean, you like the narrative that space is fake or Earth is flat and all that stuff. Like the stuff that you read might might. Um, might make you think one thing versus another, and maybe that's programmed into you. I don't know. You know, a lot of people also but, think but that... Let me, let me say this one thing. Let me, can I say this one thing about yeah, the ahead. Flat Earth movement and the Space is Fake movement? Yeah, go ahead. Um, my, I, I actually like the movement. Okay, this is what I think that the movement is, and this is what I think Eddie Bravo has said, too, is like... 
really the flat earth movement is not that you think the earth is actually flat or that space is fake, but that if you believe everything that they tell you, you might as well believe that the earth is flat or that space is fake because it's almost the same thing, you know, because like why is like, you're just going to believe everything that they say, then you might as well think the earth is flat. Yeah, I agree. And you see, you do really see that everywhere on every level of our society. Like I always look at high school because to me, high school is kind of like a mini everything. Like the way that people sort of divide themselves up between rich and poor and social classes and stuff like that. It's all like going on in this insane sort of microcosm called high school. This fucking insane psycho sort of thing that goes on that we all remember and affects the rest of our lives because we're constantly like, oh, I didn't get to date that cheerleader. I didn't get to do this or that. It's, it's all like it's high school is symbol, symbolic of reality and the fucking shit that they shove down your throats and force you to believe. Yeah, you know, um, the I, I'm going to make another mixed martial arts um, metaphor here. And it's like, you know, the, the country, the world, maybe not to an extent, but the country for sure, has really gotten away from learning a trade and it hasn't taken that long. It's only taken a couple hundred years, maybe less. Now, I don't, you know, it, I will say it's probably taken 50 years, 60 years, and we've pretty much lost the meaning of learning a trade. And it's like, it's like the specialists, you know, in mixed martial arts, like everybody now is kind of a cookie cutter version of uh of what a mixed martial arts or whatever a a ufc fighter used to be it was like specialist versus specialist right and so high school definitely does that college 100 percent does that but you know um and it basically you know it's it's good for it's good for teaching kids how to be artistic and creative which is a good thing, but you need to teach people and teach kids like they like it's important to build things and and um plant things and stuff like that like um you know physical physical labor physical whatever just you know getting dirty working with your hands and like we've really kind of lost that, yeah, no, I totally know what you mean, I think that uh. I think it can be bad because high school isn't really reality. Like that you go there and you learn like mathematics, you learn all these like liberal teachers opinions on stuff. And then you go out in the real world and they hand you a fucking shovel and tell you to start shoveling and say, this is your life. That's, that's going to be your reality. If you just fucking go through the cookie cutter system and you accept whatever they shove down your throat. If you're, if you have rich parents, you're going to be one of the popular kids. You're going to get a college degree. You're going to have everything. If you're poor, you'll be doing the same thing your dad's doing, which is fucking shoveling shit for a living. You you can only break out of that if you try really fucking hard or you get lucky. <laughs> hey, you want to know something, though? That's pretty funny that you brought this up because we had a kid in our in our high school that his dad owned a porter potty service, and he... Uh, would literally shovel shit on the weekends. 
And now he owns the porta potty service, and he uh, fucking lives in a giant house in Beverly Hills. Hey, if you can make that much money in the porta potty business, then power to him. He's doing exactly what he should do, which is take the path of least resistance to massive amounts of money, which is perfectly understandable, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And I will say one thing, too, about, you know, um, high school. And, yeah, it's we've, – we've all heard, it's, you know, they're indoctrinating us and they're, you know, whatever. And, you know, the um, – I just – especially with mass shootings now at schools and stuff like that, like it's like you're, you're going to – you're already scaring them with um am i going to get into a good school you're already scaring them with am i fitting in you're already scaring them with am i going to get a prom date am i dumb enough am i too dumb or am i not and and then and then now you're going to have you know evacuation drills for in case there's a mass shooting and it's like you know i feel you know that that there really needs to be sort of like a reform for dude Watch the movie Captain Fantastic, man. It's a fucking amazing movie. It's about a single dad who raises like eight kids in the woods and he fucking teaches them, you know, everything they need to learn from hunting to totalitarianism and and everything. And uh, it's, it's a great movie. But um, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but yes. No, that's that's interesting. I, I think anytime you're talking about children, it's a very sensitive topic because they they will literally believe anything that you tell them. And if you want, you could teach your kids to believe exclusively in like flat earth and they'd probably go through the rest of their lives believing that and they'd probably teach it to their kids. That's how powerful the things that we teach our children are. In fact, you can the kids will pick up on stuff that you do not want them to pick up on. Like that's one of the reasons why I, I kind of don't want to have kids because I do have a lot of problems and I don't want my kids to like have anxiety or uh, you know certain like anger problems. Like I do certain things like that would that would suck. I would never want to do that to a human being. I would never want to pass these like shitty behavioral patterns onto a completely innocent person. So they have to go through life like having wrecked relationships and shit like that. Oh, sure. I mean, you know, one thing I always found interesting was um, how this uh, how this indoctrination of high school. So my I have two uh, older cousins, both female, that married people from London. Okay. One of them is an Armenian guy that lived in London. The other one was an Englishman. And um, what I found out was that, like, people really, like, so when you're picking out grade schools and stuff like this or whatever, English people are like super particular about who teaches them like uh, verbal skills because they don't want to, because they don't want, because the, a lot of times the kids will have the same accent as their English teacher and whoever teaches them, you know, they will have it from people at home. But when you're sitting in class pronouncing things over and over again, then like it, it, you actually tend to pick up your accent more from whoever taught it to you. So what you see is a lot of like elitism in like where the fucking, the, they want to make sure they don't have like a, what do they call it? A cackney 
accent or, or something like that. You know, oi, mate, it's sticking in the tonga. And, um, you know, more, they want, they want more of like a whale's accent or whatever the hell. Yeah, and that's so, crazy, uh, isn't it? You will it? see it a lot of that. Yeah, that's, that's elitism. I mean, that's literally a, like a form of elitism that's like, like literally where you live and like it, how nice of an area you live. No, that's, that's where that's you want your point. accent to be. That's a good point because England's so fucking small. You'd think they'd all be on the same page, but no, in that tiny little area, it's just all like divided up. You suck. You're cool. You're poor. You're rich. You you could be a fucking seller maid and get beat up when you make a mistake, or you can be like this freaking aristocratic person that just has their butt wiped for free. Like the difference in lifestyle and quality of life is insane that we would even do this to each other. Yeah. I just, um, I was in, I wasn't in, I, I went to London in 2007 or eight. What and you doing um, over there? it was very nice. Um, it's exactly what you would think London would look like. And then, um, now my cousin lives there and she's showing me pictures and everything. And she's talking she's like, she's just, I just, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I just can't believe there's so many Muslim people that live in London now. It's just, it's really crazy. Yeah. I've, I've heard things like that. I've, I've heard that, that a lot of those countries, yeah. uh, England and France, uh, that's part of the reason why you have this Trump stuff going on because there's this like hysteria going around that that's going to happen here, which I can kind of understand. I mean, I don't want everything to change around me, but you know, where do you draw the line? When are you being a dick? Yeah, I mean, I'm all, I'm all about having. You know, I'm not I'm not necessarily in the the problem with immigration or not immigration, but refugeeism and all that stuff is that it's really all it's all another way for somebody to make money, and basically, from transporting people, you're making money, and from um, having them live there, you're getting money, subsidizing from the government, subsidizing from whatever, from the taxpayers or from companies. And, you know, the, the whole thing that's going on in the Sudan right now with um, the war, like basically they're having a civil, not really a civil war, but the, the citizens are, um, you know, they spent all this time to get this one guy out and then basically it became worse because now the second guy in command is like just leads the army and just kills protesters. And then so he was, I forgot, I forgot the guy's name, but he was basically like hired by like, I think Saudi Arabia or uh, uh, another uh, Muslim country to like basically send refugees. He was like paid to like, send refugees to like other places basically and and uh, like send them to France or send them to wherever or bring them into the Sudan even and um to get, yeah the country's really starting to uh just you know massive protests yeah unfortunately our media doesn't cover a lot of this stuff because there's oh, gosh, all kinds no. of crap going on that you would think would be a really big deal, but it's just the same topics that we hear about Trump, transgender shootings, 
you don't really hear about the problems that they're having. I mean, a little bit, but you don't hear about Hong Kong or Chile or, or Sudan that much. Oh, my God. You know, well, that's what happens when you take – dude, they took the guns away in Chile, and look what's happening. They fucking stripped them of their, of their, uh, of their, of their guns, and now the police are setting the buildings on fire and saying it's the citizens, and, and people are dying in the streets, and it's all, you know – and, and the, the fucking Amazon is burning, and uh, actually, look – the Amazon is burning. It's probably still burning. Um, I will say one thing, although that is very sad. I might. I'm a little happy at stuff that they might discover because of these burnings, which is like possible ancient, you know, really ancient societies. Or maybe they're burning away all the evidence of it. <laughs> you should purpose, come up here. You, know. you should come up here and you should go on a fishing trip with me. You want to hear something funny? Sure. I've been fishing about two dozen times, and um, I've never caught a fish in my life. Um, oh, we'll we'll take care I've, of that. We'll fix that. Yeah, yeah. So I've just basically all my friends stopped going fishing with me because they say I'm bad luck. <laughs> well, maybe uh, I'm getting a little too hasty. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but uh, yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, the what do you think about the fires? in California, I mean, do you think that those are all real or do you think that they're done, they're made, they were done, uh, they're man-made fires purposely with, um, with, um, ex- with accelerants? You know, it's, it's crazy because basically what happened to me is I got like too, so deep into the conspiracy shit that I actually, everything, well, I received like a little bit of a, a threat, like a pseudo threat. It was the first time it's ever happened. And it was wow. really shocked, yeah, because I've always gotten away with this shit for years and years, and I, I started to think, like, maybe a lot of this Illuminati conspiracy stuff is exaggerated, but once I got my first sort of threat, everything kind of changed, and I got a little freaked out, and I started to distance myself a little bit from the subject matter. Hopefully that doesn't come off as wimpy, but it was just so shocking that I had to get away for a little while. I had to kind of rethink. So I'm a little bit out of touch on some of these things. I'm not really sure about that one. Was it on a specific topic or an overall yes. Yes. what you're saying? It was a series of murders that happened. It was a what? It was a series of murders that happened. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy shit. And then somebody actually died that was looking into something a little bit different, but probably a lot of the same people involved. And after that person died, a famous person, a lot of people... Sorry, give me one second. Sorry, 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 I dropped my phone. Oh, no worries. All right, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, but these topics, they can be dangerous. I'm sorry, can you, can you do me one favor and repeat that? You said there was a series of murders. I actually dropped the phone. Yeah, there was a, a series of murders. Yeah, there was a show that think? I did. There was a show that I did, and I had a particular guest on that was investigating a string of murders. And oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, and that's when the weird sort of stuff started happening, and things that shouldn't happen were happening, and it got very strange. And I got pretty freaked out, understandably so. Um, yeah, that's, um, 
that's heavy, dude. I mean, <clears throat> you know, and if it happened to you, imagine what happens to um, to other people. You know, like the, you know, and again, I'm a, I'm gonna quote Sam Tripoli here when when I say this. Uh, you know, he he used like, and I don't want to say he used to, but you know, it's so easy to say stuff like. And I know this isn't related to what you're saying, but it's sort of in the same realm. But it's like, you know, he used to, or, or, or people would say stuff like, you know, the Jews are running this or the Jews are running that. And um, it's all the Jews and blah, blah, blah. And, like, I think an important distinction is that, like, what Sam says is that, like, it's way higher than the There's, like, the Jews are, like, three levels or four levels down at like where this is at. This is like, these are bankers that do this kind of stuff. Mostly when you go back to a lot of corruption, it always goes back, goes back to the money. Always. No, I, so tol- like, I totally agree say- with that 100%. I yeah. think that's very accurate. So like, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you want to, you want to, you don't want to encourage hate speech, you know, well, you don't want to encourage these type of things. N- nowadays I say that I'm a Jew. Because that's funny. I am. I mean, I believe in God, right? I believe in the Judeo-Christian belief system. I could call myself a Christian, but that comes from Catholicism. My orig- my beliefs yeah. originally come from the Hebrew world. There's nothing wrong with saying I'm a Jew. All the safe people during the end times are going to be Jews. Jews just mean the good people that believe in God. That's all it means. Yeah, I mean, I, my my full last name is Seraphian. But uh, I I shortened my last name to Sarah because it just it sounds Jewish and um, it just looks better on a on a resume. That's kind of why I, why I did it. Like I actually I had I had um I was starting to get some some suspicion that like that you know not not that not some suspicion but I remember when I was applying for jobs maybe five six years ago seven uh-huh. years ago. I was noticing, you know, I wasn't really getting any responses back. I'm sending out a hundred resumes, you know, every couple of days, easy. And a lot of these times I've got different resumes for different jobs. So you want to tweak it a little bit and put like one narrative that they're looking for into your resume often or your cover letter and this and that. So, um, you know, mine was like very blase and, you know, simple. So I asked my girlfriend's friend who's a writer and um, she's like, oh, you know, I have in this program, there's a program called InDesign. And it's like, I think it's, it's a Photoshop. Uh, it's on Adobe Suite. So she's like, oh, I have, a, I, have a, I have a template. And it's like a really cool looking uh, resume, you know, like your name is all big across the top. And you put in all your experiences. And it's like one little bit's over here on the left side. And some of it's on the right side. And more of it's on the left side. And you know, you just put your name big across the top and it's like a nicer font and all this stuff. So I remember putting um, my name, David Serafian, in, but since it, the font was so big, it only showed David Sarah, S-A-R-R-A. And so I was like, ah, oh, you know what? I kind of like that. Like, it looks better. It rolls off the tongue better. Um, it's like a little more neutral, ethnically sounding and looking even... People might say Sarah. A lot of people go, David Sarah. I'm like, well, if I have the choice between sounding Jewish or sounding Mexican, I'd rather sound Jewish. So I say it's David Sarah. 
But uh, the uh, the point is that, like, I send out this resume now. Now, is it because you don't have the Armenian last name, the Sarafyan? Or is it because the resume was nicer and my name is bigger and it looked more distinguishable? We'll never know. But I literally got almost 10 times the responses back from that resume. Wow. Like, I was I was getting I was getting probably one interview for every almost seventy or eighty resumes I was sending out one interview, no callbacks nothing just one interview, and then um, when I started sending that resume out I started getting you know ten for every thirty. You know, with you I think that if you actually like, what am I trying to say here? Like in stand up comedy. I think you would be good as one of these people that does comedy, but also does like sort of like a social, political sort of like maybe even like conspiracy sort of dialogue narration with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, um, I mean, I have some, you know, I don't know. What I find funny and what I find interesting are like very, you know, I'm sure there's a way to tie it in, and maybe I'm not a good enough stand-up comedian to do that yet. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of my jokes are really dark jokes. You know, they're not necessarily about pedophilia or anything, but they're like, you know, it's like, you know, like um, I have a joke about, you know, um, my mother and I own a puppy mill, and um, in California now, it's uh, you can't you can't sell rescues out of um, out of like stores anymore, or you can't sell purebred puppies out of stores anymore. You can only sell, sell rescues. They don't allow you to purchase purebred dogs inside of pet shops. It's illegal now. Oh, I didn't so know that. you have to get them from like a, a breeder only. And um, so we own. Uh, so the joke is that like we own a puppy mill, which is where you raise purebred dogs, and um, <clears throat> sales have been down, so we have to pivot and rebrand. And so I just started, I bought a whip and a, and a crowbar and I just started abusing these puppies and turning them into rescues because who oh the fuck God. doesn't want an abused purebred rescue? That's pretty dark. Yeah. And so it's stuff like that. Like, you know, that's the stuff that I find funny. So it's easy. So it's the stuff I like, I write down and stuff, but that's how I really got into stand up first. I was like, I, that was like really the first, one of the first jokes that like I wrote, like one of the first bits that I wrote. And I just, like, I I just started writing in my notes on my phone anytime I heard it. And that's like one of the first ones. And so once I started that, like, every time I think of something funny, it goes right into my notes. And then I piece it together later. Sometimes this goes with that and that goes with this. Man, that's so nuts that, you, but, yeah, that you're doing but, yeah, this but now. The, like, yeah, the, the, um, yeah, sorry to cut you off again. But, like, the, I don't, yeah, the conspiracy th- stuff. Or like social, political, I'm, you probably won't find me doing any political jokes. Um, or, or especially no, I don't have any Trump jokes. I don't even think about that stuff. Like, I just, I don't know. I guess to a certain degree, everything's political in some sense, but like, I think that I don't, when you're, I don't, when you're I, raw, I don't name any politicians. When you're raw and you're unfiltered, I think that that, that in itself and like having an opinion, and not really caring what people think, I think that's really a powerful thing. And that's what separates people that can do, like, stand-up comedy from the people that can't do 
can't do it because they, they just care too much about the consequences of what's coming out of their mouth. Yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And it is, it's tough and I love it and I'm doing it for right now and I hope to be doing it and um, I'm just trying to get better at it. But um, the, um, the, uh, uh, Hey, and let me, let me tell you about one thing too, which I wanted to get into one last thing about the Zuni uh, tribe, which was next. So 2020 marks the next time that the um, the elders of a, a lot of these Native American tribes will go into like the will go to like the the area of where the Pueblo Indians first uh, Native Americans first uh, one of their areas I forget the actual city name like I'll probably send you the link so you go look into it but every four years they basically go to and I don't want them to say that they summon it. But I don't know if they summon it or not, but there's basically a few hundred people which are allowed to go to this. I don't know if any more or any less. I don't know if you're allowed to go what the deal is exactly, but basically Native Americans, they go to a sacred area and they basically open a stargate or wait for a stargate to open. And it's like a, and this happens and it's basically not everybody can see it. So this is another thing that I'm, that goes back to the simulation thing. Like, I don't know if you have to believe it to see it or how it works, but not everybody can see it. And it's basically like a, a like a pr- movie projector almost like opens up and it like tells them the future. And I think that that's what CERN has been trying to do is recreate that on whenever they're able to do it. And the reason I say that is because there's been talk about how CERN, the Large Hadron Collider in Geneva, has um was built under an ancient roman um like wor- place of worship basically a satanic like a satanic worship place and a man i don't remember his name but i'll send you the information a man was found dead at cern he apparently killed himself the hard drive was wiped clean except for one note which said that he saw the future in this very similar way and that what they do there at CERN destroys the planet. And then, so he killed himself. That's a, that's a story that's out there. That's some trippy shit. Right. You you know, I think that, yeah, I think that you can tell the future. Like it happens to me a lot because I'm a shaman, but I think anybody (laughs) can do it. Uh, Yeah. What? Well, you, you just have to what you have to do is you have to unlock your everybody has powers and most of us have suppressed powers or it was cut off from us somehow like we weren't taught how to use it but all you have to do is unlock your natural powers and then you will be able to see the future sometimes using precognition yeah you know they call it the male um there's a there's something and i don't want to sounds sexist here but i'm sure women have it as well but i think women um the the, i will say this they they have something called the male intuition and the reason it's called the male intuition is like one of those things that males have apparently that allow them to do this the reason females not that females don't have it but that they're not as intuitive with this quote male intuition from history 
is that um, women, uh, their intuition is more uh, natal. So it's like more um, child rearing. So like it's, it's, it's suppressed and it's more difficult for them to, to access it. In other words, but yeah, that goes along with the third eye and who knows what people, you know, however many renditions it has. But yeah, I mean, like, I totally next believe time, that. What is the next time you Next time you feel like doing cocaine, do some, like, do some cactus instead. I'll do it with like you. Like some peyote? We can do it together. I I mean, I've done... Um, we can go like fishing when we're fucking high as hell. You know, you know one thing that... Um, that they say about DMT, which I've never experienced. I've never done DMT. I would like to. But one thing that they talk about um, is when you do it, and if you're doing it outside, if you look up, you sort of see a gridded dome that's sort of like, like basically like the Truman Show, like a Truman Show type shit. Like you see a dome that's like basically the the construct of your simulation. The firmament, right? Yeah. I mean, the idea of stargates and stuff like that is. The, there are stories about Egypt and the that the that first of all the the Sphinx obviously is. I mean, according to Robert Schock and according to. Um, David Adam West, I think his name is. So David, I think it's David Adam West. Um, and um, of course, uh, John Hancock, Graham, Graham, Graham Hancock, that like, you know, that the Sphinx is much older than the, than the pyramids themselves. <laughs> and that the pyramids are not really a tomb. There's never, no, there's not, there's no, no mummies that have ever been found inside any of these um, pyramids of Giza, they were, they're all found uh, hundreds of miles away and that there's probably a chamber underneath, well, there's two chambers underneath the Sphinx, one in, by its rear and one by its right foot, I believe, underneath it, which Egypt will not allow archaeologists to go into. Whether or not they've done it themselves, I don't know. That's a whole other thing, first of all. But the um, but that the, the uh, pyramids are basically like a stargate where you would lay down in the shaft in one of the tunnels and, um, and at night you would, there's always like there are these holes that <clears throat> connect you to a star. And, and the hole, you lay down in the chamber and there's a hole that points to a star that goes all the way through the, um, the pyramid and it and you could see it when you lay down and the the chamber fills with water and your your being is transferred to the to the star and those are some theories about that stuff you know but yeah i mean that's Egyptians, that's fascinating for the most part that's fascinating and it it really makes you think that with the whole egypt thing in general with their religion and spirituality and all that there's something really interesting going on there that we do not even understand at all. That's how bad it is. There's some really complex shit going on there that we have no grasp of. That's my understanding of it. 
I, I got an Uber ride from uh, over here in Los Angeles from an Egyptian guy. He's a Muslim Egyptian. Now, I grew up with a few Egyptians here in, in my city, um, and my city is 90% Hispanic, but there are a few Egyptians, and they were Christian Egyptians. They weren't, they weren't Muslim Egyptians. Now, now, I don't know if the Christians are the same as the Muslims when it comes to this particular thing. I would say, I would say probably not, but most Muslim Egyptians living in Egypt today would not care in the slightest if those, if those pyramids were bulldozed and a mosque was made in their place. They would, they would love that. But the government, first of all, won't do that, obviously, because it's their biggest money maker, one of their biggest money makers, if not the biggest tourism. And, and number two, the whole narrative that, that ancient Egypt is like that ancient Egypt, um, the year, like di- dynastic Egypt, they call it, you know, that's like the time period of like 5500 BC on. But anything before that, when, you know, the Sphinx is probably like 9,500 9, BC, right? And they say that, you know, the Jews don't even say there was time before that, you know? They say that, that like 5,500 is like the earliest man, you know, or like something like that, or like is like the earliest that, that the Jews have been around. Like for like, they've been around for like 6,000 years or 5,000 years, something like that, whatever. But uh, or, or I guess, I guess if that meant five thousand years, then and we're in the year two thousand. So, you know, I'm not really sure. Don't don't quote me on the numbers, but but basically, like they think that the Sphinx was probably made in around um, ninety five hundred BC, and that the um, uh, the pyramids were not until like thirty five hundred or something around there. Yeah, that makes sense. I've I've uh, heard heard stuff like that. And what's also really interesting is the fact that we all know Moses, right? Moses. Yes. Yeah, well, you know that part of the Bible where he splits the sea using the staff? Mhm. That's I I actually uh I think I heard this from Graham Hancock actually that you just brought up. But he he used that staff to manipulate water, and there's actually hieroglyphics. There's hieroglyphics in Egypt in some of their structures that show their sorcerers or their priests using staffs to move pieces of water around. Like, that's literally something that people that were schooled in the Egyptian mysteries knew how to fucking do. Yeah, and also that there was fucking water in Egypt. Huh. Also, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that, like that the that the there's there's water corrosion, you know, from from floods and stuff like that on the Sphinx itself. And when they found the Sphinx, only the head of it was showing. You know, when 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 the fir- Sphinx was first found, only the head was showing. So. Um, well, this this yeah, whole the, idea of yeah. a Stargate is super interesting because I, for one, I mean, I talked to um, what's that fucking guy's name that that creepy bastard, uh, Michael Aquino, and 
he said that this dude actually worked for the government. (laughs) He said that they were actually making a Stargate, and it had something to do with the Earth's magnetism, and that's probably the same thing that the Egyptians were doing. They were somehow using the Earth's magnetism to create a portal when the conditions and the stars and the weather and everything was right, and they were actually able to either send themselves physically or, like you said, their consciousness to another world, wherever that may be. Maybe they were sending them to heaven or something like that. But there was some crazy shit going on back then that we do not, we can't even grasp at all. We don't even understand it at all. Yeah, the, um, you know, that also has, that goes along too with the, um, let me find the name of it. I think it's called, let's see, is it called the Crystal Palace? Um, it's about a, there's this, uh, I'm going to find the name of it. There's a m- reports of a man. This isn't too long ago that like that, that says that he basically, well, it's thought that he used, you know, sound and frequency waves to move gigantic rocks and stuff like this into positions. Uh, and, um, that's, that's also one of the things like resonance is like one of those things that, that they think that, um, Egyptians used, you know, or, or the people, these, these ancient societies used, uh, to, uh, to move it. I'm going to try to find a name, but there's a recent, um, uh, uh, usage of this in like the past 40, well, maybe the past 60 or 70 years, this man, you know, he would basically ask these people to like, he would, he would, he, I'm not sure how we got these sheets of rock and stuff like that, but he would basically ask them to bring it, leave it in the truck, and then bring another car to to, to um so that the so that the guys could leave the truck there for a couple hours and then come back and get the truck and then they could leave. So like they would bring these big gigantic rocks in, leave the truck, leave for a few hours, come back and grab the truck, and the rocks would be gone. And they would all be like set up in their in in the right place where he wanted them to be, like after four hours. And like these guys were like, "How? What? They don't know what's going on." But the, every couple of days, they would bring these rocks until like he built this this uh, this palace. I'm gonna bring up the name of it right now. Are you talking about the uh, Coral Castle? Coral Castle, that's the one, sir. Yes. Oh yeah, that thing is pretty fucking sweet. Oh my god! I mean. What I mean the like the stories of the guy I forget the guy's name but the the stories of the man who who created it was like just this old sixty seven year old man no equipment did everything basically with like what they think to be like frequency waves or resonance or something. I think it is something like that. It's something to do with sound, and even that is really just just really like best guesstimate because it could have been almost like a telekinesis or somehow using electromagnetism. I mean, there's so many possibilities. I I wouldn't even know where to start or where to stop. But the bottom line is they could do some shit back then that we cannot do now, 
and we are just now probably starting to figure it out only because we're looking at their shit and we're not telling anybody. We're just telling the ignorant masses that we're doing this, we're doing that. Pay attention to Trump. Pay attention to Bernie Sanders. Pay attention to AOC. Pay attention to fucking Kim Kardashian. But meanwhile, behind the scenes, they're backhacking and they're figuring out all this crap so that they can create more fucking computers for us to live inside of and more implants and more crazy shit for our transhumanist future. Yeah, you know, the um, the whole idea, too, of I'm not necessarily sure. You know, I, 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 I believe, I don't want to say I believe, but I don't know if Bob Lazar is full of shit or not. Yes. Um, he sounds like a guy that worked there. There are a lot of weird, that's a lot of weird shit that goes on at Los Alamos, including the Stargate that I'm telling you about. I remember now that Mahudi from that seminar, um, the, the Zuni uh, tribe leader, uh, Elderman, said that um, that the Stargate is near Los Alamos, um, uh, what do they call it there, Los, the base at Los Alamos or whatever. Um, I don't know, is it an air... Air, is it an Air Force base or an Army base? I'm not really sure, or if it's even a base or really... Anyway, where they do a lot of, you know, where Bob Lazar apparently, you know, worked and maybe had got that that Particle 114 or whatever. Oh, from, yeah. Uh, or yeah. Any, something uh, like that. Whatever, so anyway, 150, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, whatever it is. And uh, um, so, and then Bob Lazar says that, that he, from his knowledge, that those spaceships were element um, 115 from an arc element 115 thanks um that these aircraft were found underground they're excavated whether or not they're excavated from the water or from dirt i don't know but he says excavated now part of me wants to say that like maybe you know they were not from another planet they were from our planet Hmm. And that we we did those hundreds of thousands of years ago, and we had the technology to do similar things and stuff like that, but that necessarily. Now he goes on to say that they're from Zeta Reticuli. I don't like that. <clears throat> Something about the name Zeta Reticuli, which is where they say all these a lot of these aliens come from. That that comes from, you know, the first the first case of Zeta Reticuli is you hear back in the forties from. The the couple that were abducted by aliens in their car. Um, oh, Bob Betty, and Betty Bonnie. And Bonnie Hill? Who were the names? Betty it happened in Barney New Hampshire. I, what it, was it again? It, it wasn't Betty and Barney Hill? Betty and Barney Hill. Yep. So that's the that's when we first hear. That, that's kind of like the earliest story of Zeta Reticuli. Something about that screams misinformation for some reason, because now we always hear Zeta Reticuli from everything. And sure, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that if there are aliens and all that stuff, like they always have to be from, you know, there's a chance that they are from uh, one area of the sky. Sure, why wouldn't that make sense? But, um, But something about that just now, it just, it feels like, Oh, that's the one that everybody says, like, when they say, where are they from? Oh, they're from Zeta Reticula. So I'm not 100% sure on all that stuff. But 
I mean, part of me wants to think that maybe we we made them. You know, that's probably know. what's going to happen when we go fishing. We're going to be out there. We're going to see a craft. We're both going to be paralyzed. We won't even be able to communicate with each other. The craft will approach. It'll beam us into the ship. Next thing we know, we're naked. And then we black out. And then we find ourselves <laughs> like we get picked up by the cops and out of some bush. And we're covered with like some kind of weird afterbirth fluid. Dude, I'm down to do some Zeta Reticuli Coke, though, you know? Get some <laughs> of that shit. Boop. Ah, and then fucking get ass raped. Down. That sounds like a party. And then I'll, I'll do stand-up for the, for the aliens, and they'll be like, oh, don't stay. You guys are the best humans in the world. And be like, oh, we know, but we got to go back home. Sorry. Dave, David, Sarah, we are approaching the end of this interview. Well, I want to say thank you very much for having me on. It's been great. And we we will do this again. You know, I like talking to you. I think you're really starting to uh, figure yourself out, and you're you're going to actually blow up soon. I can feel it. Ah, oh, thank you. Well, positive energy breeds positive energy. And you want to know something, too? I want to say this will be my, my closing statements here. You know, um, I always wanted to poo-poo tarot card readers and stuff like that. And, like, I always thought, you know, when I would listen to these things on Coast to Coast, I was cool with the remote viewing, you know. I could handle, you know, the people that did, like, um, that are, like, intuitives and stuff like that. Like, so, some of it, I'm sorry, it's just, it's a lot of crazy stuff to me. But I don't want to say crazy in a mean way, but, like, I'm just not there yet to to accept it because I haven't built a big enough base of knowledge to to find where that settles in yet. And I will say, you know how I'm, I know that I'm progressing and becoming more and more online every single year, just like everybody should, is now when I see tarot card readers, I don't go, oh, that's fucking bullshit. Sure, I don't necessarily need my, my I don't need, I don't need to have my future told or I don't have to have my cards read to me or anything like that. But I do appreciate the actual stance and meaning behind it, which is they're, they're there as a tool of positivity. The cards are not, not usually negative cards. Everything always has, always, always has some kind of self-correcting way or make a way of making you think certain way. And it's generally a, a positive, uh, it's generally about giving a positive uh, vibe and positive energy to the person. So I'll say that, that I've grown and like now I can understand there is a need for that. There really is. And very ballsy. I think that one thing that we can all respect you for is the fact that you're going from being an attorney to being a stand-up comic. Like that's, quite a jump and that's quite a um i I don't know if i call it a risk but it definitely takes some balls to do that thank you very much daniel i appreciate it do you have any kind an inspirational person what was that what did you just say i said i just said you've always been a very kind and inspirational person oh you that is very (laughs) nice of you to say i appreciate that immensely No problem. What about your plugs? Twitter, 
Okay. Facebook. What do you got? Yeah. I have a, I have a, um, my Twitter is, uh, David Exhale, D-A-V-E, excuse me, it's Dave Exhale, D-A-V-E, X-H-A-L-E, and my Instagram is the same, D-A-V-E-X-H-A-L-E, and I'm on YouTube at, at Dave Sarah, D-A-V-E-S-A-R-R-A, you can find me. I don't really have videos up yet, but I'm going to soon be, um, getting my YouTube going in a little bit when I get some content, but, um, um, uh, it is funny because, you know, all my stuff, all my, like, exhale stuff, you know, exhale is my, my gamer name. And it's been my Quake name for fucking 20 years. So it's funny because the last few years I've been slowly shifting all my, like, gamer accounts to, like, stand-up comedian accounts. Like, my Twitter was, like, all gaming, and now it's all, like, stand-up comedy. I used to never use, like, my real name or anything like that. I used to just go by, you know, exhale on all those stuff on on Instagram, all that stuff. You should, so now it's more like I've I'm I've come out of the darkness. Did we play like Quake Live together or something like that? Yeah, probably Quake Live. Yeah, and then now there's a new Quake game out, which is Quake Champions. And you, and, you were um, like crazy I, I started good playing at that. You you were crazy What's good that? at it. Like you were really good at it. Like oh my insanely God. good. And I'm good at it. So no, that was... well, no, I mean. Um, I've been, like I said, like Quake, it's it's kind of been the same game it's been just with better graphics for fucking for 20 years. And like, I started playing it when I was 16 and it's really the only like computer game that I was ever, ever interested in playing and really the only computer game I still play. And so, um, it's got a community of like a very small community of very, uh, you know, um, of, of, uh, dedicated and passionate people about Quake, and we've know, all kind of known each other from the MIRC days. I don't know if you ever remember MIRC. Oh hell yeah! So like now, so now that when Discord came out, I don't know if you've ever heard of Discord, but it's another chat service, uh, chat program that allows you to do like voice chat. It's very big amongst the gamers, and now it's starting to get big for podcasts too because um, you they don't want necessarily like YouTube. Uh, like comments going on YouTube because it looks bad. Like people are reading it and there's just a shit show of fucking, you know, just a shit show going on in, in the, in the YouTube chat. So what they do is a lot of these podcasts, uh, or a lot of these things, what they'll do is they'll, they'll make a Discord channel where you can go and have live chat. And that's awesome. They have it for Joe Rogan. We have it for Kill Tony. We have it for, um, you know, Tom Segura's podcast and all that stuff. So it's great. Hell yeah! And um, do you have any upcoming, any upcoming? Uh, where can people see you? Um, right now, you know, I, like I said, I only have those shows that I do on Wednesdays at eight o'clock at the Ha Ha Cafe. I may not even be there if you just go on a random Wednesday. But if you check my Twitter, Dave Exhale, and you check my Instagram, I I always post my shows and anything that I'm doing. I do a lot of open mics. These are usually Sundays and Mondays, hopefully at the comedy store on, on Sundays and, or on Mondays when I get on. I don't necessarily always get on uh, in the belly room. And then also um, Thursdays at Sycamore Tavern in um, also in Hollywood. Excellent. All right. David, Sarah, Dave, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on end of days radio this is our third interview i think every one of them has been good but it's very exciting to see you coming up 
and I will definitely pay, be paying attention to what you have going on, and we will talk again in the future. All right, man. Take it easy. Talk to you later, buddy. Take it easy. Good night, my friend. Good night. And there you have it. That was my buddy for like long time. Whew. I think I originally met him online in 2006, and it's 2019, so holy shit, like, how long is that? Fucking 13 years, something like that? <laughs> holy shit. Um, and we almost met in real life once, and I have a feeling we will. <laughs> but really exciting to see him coming up, like I said. Um, never would have imagined that guy starting to achieve some low-level fame. So, um, you know, that's just me being real. That's really cool to see. So shout-out once again to my buddy. You know, really happy to see you doing well. Let's go ahead and take a break, and I'll just play a little bit of music, and then I'm going to come back and just uh, shoot the shit a little bit more. Hopefully hopefully somebody will call in. I mean, we do take callers on this show, and that call-in number, let me get that up for you. Oh, God, I got to Our call-in number, I don't know why I don't have it memorized, but it's 209-348-9810 or at NinjaShoes777 on Skype, and I will be back. I need to use the potty. I got it. Oh, you dirty this ass. amazing. We have this hunger project okay. that I give back to the kids. Dirty ass. Well, the more face that you make, the more money you raise. And the more oh, you dirty ass. This is why you don't play your music off of YouTube. You know what? We do not need to listen to that entire song, do we? Especially the dancing parts where there's nothing really being said and nothing you can see. So let's move forward, shall we? Um... Oh boy, so much to talk about, so little time. We're approaching hour four, so that means we've been chatting for a little while now. Turn up my mic a little bit, got to pay attention to stuff like that, make sure I sound good. Something really weird happened. I... As you know, there was a bear in my yard the other day. A fucking 500-pound black bear. Black bears aren't super aggressive, but when something's like five times your size and has killing claws and killing teeth and it's a bear, it's kind of scary. I was sure when I was approaching it that I gave myself enough distance where I could get to the back porch before it could get to me. Snapped a few pictures. Everything went well. I knew I was going to see a bear. My intuition was showing me. I've been encountering a lot of animals lately. I don't know why this is, but I've been being approached by these different animal spirits, and they're all bringing me some sort of unique energy and unique message. I think it's some kind of spirit quest, and it's an ongoing spirit quest. So I'm going to keep approaching these animals. Um... I really want to see a porpoise up close. I want to get a little sharky, too. I want to see a shark. I'm afraid of sharks. 
I don't want to do anything stupid like go out on the in the salt water in one of those dinky little kayaks. But maybe I could go shark fishing from the shore, something like that. That sounds fun. I mean, you know, going out to the ocean and catching sharks, that's like a popular thing nowadays. That that sounds like my type of fun. Like why am I gonna go and hike when I can catch a shark? That sounds like fun to me. Hanging out in the surf, soaking up sun, everywhere you look, just water and sea everywhere. Just casting. Just casting. Just feeling good casting. Oh, yes. If you haven't noticed, it's not a gimmick. I don't know what it is, but I've been doing a lot of fishing lately. Like, fishing is fun. I like to fish. It just takes me away. Uh, let's see. Well, as as I mentioned earlier, there's quite a bit going on in the world lately. We only seem to get to see a little slice of it, what our controllers want us to see. There's many different perspectives. There's quite a bit going on. You could say with the Internet, really everybody has access to everything, but yet somehow they still manage to get us all on track. The social media... I don't know what it is, but they all, they seem to get us all kind of like, if you pay attention to Twitter, you notice it's a lot of, a lot of like political, I'm pushing my political view, look how smart I am, all the people that feel the same way about XYZ political view are going to like and retweet me and make me feel good about myself sort of stuff. You see that shit everywhere. And it's stupid. It's boring. And people don't really care because it's nothing new. I mean, you might feel good when you see, like, some good point getting made or something like that. But overall, nobody really wants to hear that shit. That's my opinion. I mean, you have certain people like these right-wing talk show hosts and you have left-wing talk show hosts and stuff like that. And, yeah, those people do have followings, but... You can't take what they're talking about and regurgitate it on social media and expect people to care about you or give a crap about it. you got to come up with something different. I'm sorry, but um, if you're doing what everybody else is doing, and that includes paranormal shit too, um, if you think people want to hear about aliens or haunted houses or people running around in the dark and flashlights playing with Ouija boards and never having any proof and never having any thing tangible to lay eyes on or experience if you think people want that then you're wrong people want something that they could see that they could feel that they could taste that they could touch and that's what i think we would really have to bring people for them to really be able to have something new to grab onto if that makes sense you're not going to entertain people talking about area 51 shit's played out i'm sorry area 51 fucking played out we all know the story. Bob Bazaar, Element 115, we were talking about it earlier. Disinformation agent. Sable Disinfo Topics. If you guys want us to talk about something new and be entertained by this, give us something new instead of fucking bullshit reptilians, bullshit fucking UFOs, bullshit haunted houses. All this crap, I mean, not all haunted houses are bullshit, but when you watch those fucking ghost hunter videos and you're seeing the fishing line 
and you're seeing people running around in the dark, that doesn't help people believe. That makes them disbelieve. People don't care about that stuff. I mean, that's kind of why I like psychedelics, because if you talk about psychedelics, anybody can go out and try that if they're crazy enough. That's something real, something tangible. And that's a portal into the fucking paranormal realm, and then you'll have something you can sink your damn teeth into. Not listening to the same old Linda Molden Howell and her fucking goat sucker fucking cattle mutilation bullshit. Uh, Linda Molden Howell, not a disinformation agent, but used by the disinformation program to a great extent. She seems like a very nice woman. I don't have anything against her, but let's face it, nothing new to see here. Just fucking shots in the dark, um, crop circles, distractions. Nobody cares about that stuff. Uh, you know, magic, uh, that's, that's a little better. I mean, you're not going to hear a lot of magic shit on Coast to Coast. This is a magic show. It's always been, it's a magic show. Um, I think that there's a lot of room to explore there, but then you got to get past people's preconceived sort of biases. People think magic equals devil, occult equals devil. Even though you're drawing this information from literally thousands and thousands of different cultures, they can't get past this idea that somehow it's the devil. Because the Catholic Church, when they were burning all that shit, that's what they got everybody to think. The Jesuits. They don't want you doing psychedelics because that takes you out of their paradigm. They don't want you doing certain spiritual practices because that takes you out of their paradigm. So um, you label this stuff satanic and you don't go anywhere near it. But at the same time, they want you to do it so that shit gets crazy and you get pulled into that whole fucking rabbit hole. It's crazy out there. When you get into this true stuff, conspiracy, um, actually researching your own shit, you can go to some scary places and you can actually get it, get yourself into danger. That's the truth too. You can get yourself into danger. Oh, if somebody, if anybody wants to call in 209-348-9810. I need some water really bad. Oh man. That's 209. You know what? I'm going to type it into the chat box. That will probably help. 209-348-9810. And whoever keeps calling me on the Skype line at weird random hours, please stop. Please stop fucking calling me. Like, that's a replay you're hearing. Or you're listening on YouTube. That's not live. I mean, you can call it. I don't really care that much. It doesn't affect me. But at least leave some kind of funny message or something I can play on the show. Deal? Oh, what's that? What's that? Hello? Hello. This is Butt from your chat. Hello, Butt. B-U-T-T. Hello? Yeah, Butt. So... Based on the stuff you were talking about with Dave earlier, I wanted to kind of touch on that topic, like with the Zuni people and whatnot. I did send them that video earlier this, uh, well, last week, um, in regards to my own lineage and heritage. 
my mother was adopted and my sister committed suicide last year. So my, oh, my family is getting that. considerably smaller like every year. I'm just like, okay, well, it's just my parents now. And I want to know more about like my family history because I don't know shit, right? So <laughs> I've been doing a lot of um, gene- genealogy, genetic testing, all that bullshit. And so I, I've always known, well, not always, but you know, since my mother was adopted, she went on this rampage to find out uh, medical information because my sister was mentally ill. And, you know, she was in and out of the psych ward and many suicide attempts. And what's weird is I have all the same mental illness conditions that she has. But because, and this is my theory, my theory is because I have a different personality type, I know how to make my shit work for the kind of work that I do, which is I'm a video game developer. And um, my job, well, I'm switching careers now, like Dave. Um, Where are you <laughs> my calling job from? Was, uh, Where did you say you're calling from? Pardon? Oh, I'm sorry. I was. I'm asking. calling from uh, Orange County, California. Okay, California. Orange County. <clears throat> but um, I used to be a game developer. I worked for Blizzard Entertainment for 14 years. The last 14 years. You're kidding me. You worked for uh, the the Blizzard? Yeah, I was one of the first women developers. I'm I'm an insane <clears throat> uh, StarCraft addict. Dude, <laughs> I cannot play that game for shit. I like watching it though. Oh yeah, I was I was good. I, love... I was good at it. So this is actually related to. Have you played Warcraft? Do you know the Warcraft model? Oh, oh yes, I've played World of Warcraft. Okay, I, I had my my let adventures. Me blow, let me blow your fucking mind. So let me let me rewind back to my heritage and my uh, medical history with my sister and whatnot. Um, so my sister and I have different fathers and, you know, since my sister committed suicide, I was like, mom, who's her dad? I just want to know who it is. I'm not going to like harass this dude or stalk this. I just want to see what the fuck he looks like to see like a reference of why my sister and I look so fucking different. I mean, I know she's Italian and I'm Mexican and mostly white, but we don't look anything alike, but we act like the same fucking person, except I'm uh, introverted and she's extroverted. But I'm more of like an omnivert. I can flex that on and off. It's kind of weird. I don't know. I think it's just a job skill set that I have. Um, anyways, so when I was going through hard times at work, um, and by the way, and I, I do physics simulation for my profession. Uh, I'm a special effects animator. But I also work on pipeline optimization. Like I help grow that company. <laughs> I do a fuck ton of shit. Well, um, how, do you but feel, anyway. how do you feel now that it's owned by a bigger company? I, you know, honestly, like, because I, I can't public, I'm not publicly allowed to have an opinion about it. Oh, I'm not a spokesperson let's for them. stay off of that one. It, <laughs> it's, it's contractual. No, it is contractual. And we, you know, even though I was, let go. We left. Uh, I, I left on good terms. It wasn't a bad termination. It was. You're going through some shit. You can't do your job. Go. <laughs> I'm like, yes, thank you. Thanks for the severance. I'm out. Oh, severance. Um, so 
Yeah, as far as like my lineage and stuff is concerned, you know, my mother looked into her bio because she was adopted. She looked into medical history from her, my sister's father's side, um, which I found out that that guy was like some huge drug kingpin for psychedelics. I think he was, I might have been like the fucking California, the California LSD dude, dude, maybe. I don't know, but he was some dude that did like fucking 30 years in federal prison. Oh, you're talking about that, uh, the guy that kidnapped the dude with the girl. Uh, I think so. I think that's him. My mom won't tell me who the fuck the guy is. And I'm like, you're hiding something. And I know you fucking used to be a Lucy Goosey back in the day. So. Yeah, his girlfriend was uh, Crystal something, <clears throat> Crystal Cole, something like that. I, I wonder if that's who it is. She won't tell me. She won't fucking tell me at all. Well, like, there's the only one um, guy that was living in a missile silo in California <laughs> and making shitloads of LSD. So it's got to be that <laughs> yeah, fucker. Right. <laughs> I don't, well, she, I think she had my sister when she was going to college. Yeah, she was in college and she was in Pittsburgh at the time, but uh, regardless, she was looking into like medical history for my sister's uh, mental health. And then she started researching her biological family since she was adopted and she found out her biological mother was still alive and she was in her nineties. And I was like, holy shit. I want to see what that bitch looks like. <laughs> like, I have no frame of reference here of what I come from. Like, I just know you, and I know you look nothing like my grandmother because she's fucking German with blue eyes, and you look, I don't know, you look like a mixed white chick. <laughs> anyway, so <clears throat> we did the DNA test, and after she had, you know, gotten in contact with her biological family, and we found out that we were actually, on her side, Pueblo Native Americans. and this is going to fucking blow your mind because this fucking has blown my mind the past few months. Um, I only had Choctaw and Cherokee information passed down by my dad. And it's very basic, like, this is how you read the land. This is how you know what weather's coming. This is how you look at the earth and know there's a fault line here. This is how you find geos. This is how you find gold. Like, just knowing the land, knowing the elements and understanding like tides for surf and like gravity of the moon and how that affects tides and all that shit. Um, like I was raised to just know that we went camping a lot when I was a kid. So I know a lot of survival tactics and being able to just read my environment and observe my environment. Did you do fishing? Sorry. Did you go fishing? Uh, we used to when I was a kid. Yeah. I used to go fishing when I was a kid too. What did you fish for? Um, Usually rainbow trout. We didn't go. Nice. It was always uh, freshwater. Nice. It's like trout or trout or bass. Yeah. So very <clears> outdoorsy, <throat> very rugged. Kind of learning how to what grow your own food, <clears throat> catch your own food. Were you hunting certain not, animals? Not hunting or anything. It was just if you get stuck in the middle of nowhere, this is how you live. And this is the kind of shit you can eat, and this is the kind of shit that you can't eat. It's not about growing your own food. It's about survival. Um, my dad used to be a, a war veteran, or my dad was a, is a war veteran. He did two tours of uh, Vietnam, and he's one of those scratched-off-the-record soldiers because he's too good at his job. <laughs> so, again, this mm. is kind of the setup for I'm going to break your fucking brain right now. Um, so, you know, the... Uh, orc lore and, and Warcraft and in World of Warcraft, 
<clears throat> the Black Rock Orcs, which I think is like Black Hands and Thralls come from that tribe. That's okay. a real Native American tribe I just found out. That's oh. the actual tribe that I think that I'm from, which is the Star People Zuni that Dave told were just was just talking to you about. And oh. the more I look into it, uh, you know, I watch um I watch anime I watch a lot of anime and stuff because I use it for reference for my job since I'm an effects animator for video games. I make the abilities, like the, the art for the abilities. Um <clears throat> you know, I look at anime for a lot of reference for timing and, like, rhythm stuff of, like, oh, this is going to look really flashy and this is going to look really jazzy. And I didn't think anything of it other than this shit looks cool. It looks cool. It's rhythmic. And it, when I say rhythmic, it's like if I was going to play a drum or something, I'd be like, but up, but That's how the visual would hit when you would see it as far as the timing goes. Um, so... I found out that the basis of the story for Sailor Moon is all based on that star people fucking history, culture stuff from the Pueblo natives. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, are you kidding me? And I didn't think anything of it until recently. And so I started putting the pieces together. I'm like, holy shit, Sailor Moon is based off of the people that I'm like genetically related to. No wonder I wear my hair and fucking meatball buns they're called um it's from the hopi tribe and it's it's the same thing that princess leia's hair is based off of and they're called what is it called i think it's butter squash butter squash hair or something it's it's something squash hair but well that's something that <clears throat> that's something to, that's uh I, I think that warcraft did add to the whole or goblin thing is a little bit more of a positive cultural spin closer to a native culture because there's a lot of, yeah, yeah. I I can see that. So when, you know, I've, I grew up with no native American culture whatsoever. I just grew up with my dad's a soldier. He's going to teach me how to survive if I ever get caught in a a shitty situation. Um, Especially if I'm in the desert, especially like that's, that's what I know how to read the most is like chaparral and desert type stuff. Um, that's a wig, Dave. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that till now. Your hair really is straight and shiny like Native Americans. That's from Dave Sarah in the chat. Yeah, I said I said that's a wig. <laughs> um, no, that's that's why I need to look professional when I don't want to do shit to my hair wig. Um, so yeah, I you know after reading about you know the or that lecture that I linked to Dave, I can link it to you um, in a minute. Um, I'm listening to this stuff in the background, and then I'm looking at the the slides that he's presenting. It's a PowerPoint presentation that he's presenting to a group of people as a lecture. And that guy used to be, or that guy is a civil engineer, and he's worked for the government. I think he's worked for the military too, like. He's really fucking good at what he does. So here's something that's really interesting that's been happening to me lately. So I went through a lot of trauma in the, in the past year with my sister committing suicide. And then prior to that, I was in ICU for two weeks. And I was fighting for my life. And this isn't the first time I've almost died. And I should be fucking 50 times dead over 
and over and over. I have no fucking idea how I lived, except that I have a very strong will. Um, up until this point in my life, I was a theist, like I didn't believe in religion. And, you know, I liked the idea and concept of state, like Satanism, like the old school uh, ideals of, I just don't like organized religion because it... Whoa, whoa, whoa. So you got into Satanism. When I, and I'm talking about the original version of it. It's just, I don't like, I don't like organized religion because I associate it with control. And I think that's because I have an art background. Are you still a Satanist? So, this is where it gets weird. So, last year I was in ITU for two weeks. And basically, I was in labor giving labor to death for a month straight. Uh, I had a surgery to take care of some tumors that I had that's a genetic condition. Oh, sorry, it's a, it's a hereditary condition that's passed down by my mother. And it went terribly wrong. It went horribly wrong. And then I went through two rounds of doctors that said I was completely fine. And I was literally at home on my couch watching Netflix dying. And I actually had to, like, drive to my parents' house between my fevers and, like, sepsis fucking shit. Like, I don't know how the fuck I fucking made this. Like, I had to drive 200 miles because I was having 105 fevers and I needed 24-7 care. Like, I just needed to be monitored in case I stroked out in my sleep or something because the doctor said that I was fucking fine because when I'd show up to the emergency room, I wouldn't have a fever, and that's just how sepsis is. It comes and it goes with um, internal infections. Well, the third doctor I saw, thankfully, was a woman, and she was like, holy shit, I think you have gangrene, and we're going to have to cut that shit out. Because you're, you're fucking dying right now. You're literally dying. Gangrene? Like, Holy shit. My, my uterus. My uterus. So I had, I basically, I had that's an some, embolism. Which that's some 1840 shit. It's fucking crazy. I'm so glad that I lived through this because now I'm like, I want to run for president and make sure that this shit doesn't happen to anybody. Because that's fucked. I don't care if you're a dude or a chick. No one should have to go through that bullshit. No, that shit's fucked. No, that's terrible but um long story short i'm here i'm alive i'm pissed i'm fucking livid (laughs) i'm fucking livid and i'm out for blood i i even had like a lawsuit against the fucking doctor and they were like yeah this shit is so rare and there's not enough studies on this stuff because it's a new surgery uh it came out in the 90s and they're like yeah you're like the 46th case of this ever recorded period. And I'm like, in the world? And they're like, the whole world. I'm like, what the fuck? And they're like, you're the only one that's alive that's on the planet that had that right now. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> okay. Damn. Um, so, so the TLDR is basically, um, I had necrosis. The original surgery that I had basically cuts off the blood supply to the tumors, and your body is just kind of supposed to absorb them. But because of the anatomy of the the situation, like, it didn't work out that way. And then I got a superimposed infection. That was one of those super, super infections that's penicillin resistant. And because we blocked the uh, the arteries and veins that go to the tumors, we couldn't get any of that antibiotic to the areas that needed antibiotics. So 
you know, I was conservative about the whole process through those two weeks in ICU. And I was like, you know, I want to have the choice to have children. I don't want children right now, but I want to have that opportunity in case I change my mind and, you know, do whatever the fuck I need to do with insurance to get that shit done. <laughs> like, put a baby in there, please. Um, but Hear that, know, I got fellas? to the point where we have a open womb. Oh, I don't have a womb anymore. Oh, no. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I tell people, like, I lost my easy bake oven. Oh, fuck. Oh. <laughs> and people are like, what? You're fucking nuts. And I'm like, yeah, I lived through that shit. I am fucking nuts. I think anyone would be. <laughs> you try and fucking shitting out fucking plague out of your kuka for a month and call me. Well, you can get a beautiful <laughs> Chinese baby. <laughs> I have a fucking testing baby at that point, shit. Uh, sure, yeah. So, Let's get okay. a hybrid baby going. <laughs> a hybrid. I wouldn't I wouldn't do it because of what you said earlier. Um, how you you know, you have issues. I got issues too. I don't wanna pass this shit on to a kid because like I know I have had a hard time adjusting to, you know, handicaps and handicapable handicapable cats. <laughs> People like us, we should just die and not pass on our shit. I don't think that's true. I think that in order for people us to people like us to thrive in this world, we cannot have generalized learning. We need to have many types of learning for different needs because everybody's got different fucking genetics. No no person's the same. It's just like how there's some fucking people that are visual learners and some people that are uh, tactile learners, some people that read and learn. Like, I'm very visual and tactile. You give me a book, I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? This is not going to work for me. I need to do this hands-on so I have practice and training and then my brain retains it. If I just read a fucking book, I'll just fucking skim and skim through it and blow through it and be like, Okay, I don't remember shit. <laughs> so, are, are you a gamer, or do you, do you just make games, or do you play games? Oh no, too? I am. What games no, do you both. play? I'm at. I'm actually on a very big hiatus right now because I have. Because of what happened, let me let me get to that. So I got out of the hospital. I went through seven months of medical leave because I was literally stitched up. So. When I was in the hospital, I did become septic. I had um, a penicillin. So I basically had MRSA or like the equivalent of MRSA or staph in my hoo-ha because my shit started going gangrene because it wasn't getting oxygen. And because it wasn't getting oxygen, I was having labor contractions for a month straight. So I basically couldn't get up and I was sick. I was feverish. I was having 105 fevers. And the doc, the fucking surgeon was like, now, just take fucking aspirin and Tylenol, which almost made me go into liver failure on top of that, even just getting to the fucking hospital. Um, and then when I was in the hospital, I had to get, like, two blood transfusions. I had kidney failure. I had um, I had so much shit go wrong. Like, I, it's, it's a miracle across the board that I'm even here. It's a miracle that I even fucking made it to the fucking hospital for the third time, I guess. And so I lived through that shit. Uh, I had to get a 
uh, a hysterectomy. And so they took that shit out. I had one of those doctors that used one of those robotic VR simulation thingies. It was called the Da Vinci robot. If you ever saw that YouTube video where it's doing surgery on a grape and then they stitch the skin back onto the grape? Oh, That's holy shit. That's the machine they use. It's no, like million, that sounds yeah, it's like a million. You should go watch it. It's like a million-dollar machine. It's basically like Dr. VR, except you instead of VR, it's real life, and you're controlling robo-arms and hands and tools and shit to, like, cauterize insides, and it has a camera, and you, like, sit at this console. It kind of looks like a fucking arcade game where you're sitting in this console, and you stick your head into this fucking, I don't know, like, it's almost like a VR headset. <laughs> it's fucking weird. How long ago was modern, that? Uh, this is about a year and a half ago. Are you all back together? Are you healed? Uh, so I lost a lot of blood. I lost a fuck ton of blood. My blood's not going to be, my blood's almost to the point where I have enough blood in my body. Cause like they, you know, they have a short supply of certain types of blood. Um, and then that hospital only would only allow um to give me two units so in and women um and women my size and age you usually have uh like the the number value is like 12 i forget what it is but you have like 12 units of hemoglobin which is the red plasma shit in your blood right um so it's like the liquid fluid stuff and then um, <clears throat> when I went into the hospital after I had the second surgery, um, I had half the amount of blood that a normal person has in their body. Oh, so, man. I, so I was fighting like, like organ failure, fucking all kinds of shit. Dude, the fucked up part was is I went in when I went to get the second surgery to have all that shit removed. Um, I was in kidney failure and my other organs were starting to fail. They they were afraid that I was going to have a heart attack and die or my blood pressure was just going to drop so much because I had an infection that was so bad. Um, and I was like on nuclear medicine. Like I was on some fucking, they didn't even know what to do. They were lab ratting me. They're like, we've never seen anything like this before. Uh, we're going to try all of these things. And if they don't work, you're going to, like, they were very straightforward with me. They're like, if it doesn't work, you're going to die. And I'm like, all right, take my fucking veins. Like, let's go. <laughs> Did they at least give you some and good so, painkillers? So, yes. Originally, I wasn't taking anything because I was like, I want to be, I don't want to be lucid. I want to be vivid enough to be able to sign legal documents where it's like, okay, you're going into emergency surgery. I didn't want to have my mom make that decision for me. I'm like, dude, I'm in my 30s. Fuck off. I'm like, I will get through this. This pain fucking sucks. It's temporary. I get through it. And if I don't get through it, then it's going to stop hurting because I'll be dead. And that's okay. <laughs> I was in so much pain and I was vomiting and I was shitting. And it was just awful. Like, imagine having a stomach flu. And you know when you get like the shit cramps? Like the really bad diarrhea shit cramps. Yeah, every it's time like I that. eat Taco Bell. It, it's like that for a month straight. 
on top of like your insides literally fucking necrotic, necrotic and like dying and spreading. Damn. Oh, it's terrible. Oh my so god. After, <laughs> after I got out of um and it was weird because it was all internal. Like there's nothing wrong with like the exterior of my body at all. Nothing. So like on the surface, I look completely fine. Like I look like a fucking normal, healthy person. So unless you actually like go up in there with a camera and you're like, oh, holy fuck, this is totally not okay. Like you even even on fucking like radiology uh, reports, they're like, yeah, this looks fucking normal. I'm like, I'm fucking dying, guys. What the fuck's wrong with you, man? But yeah, so I got the hysterectomy and that fucking, that same day, they're like, so since you're in kidney failure and you're so sensitive because we just took you out of surgery, you're going to have to walk off your kidney failure. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I I just got out of surgery. They're like, yeah, so your body can't filter out the toxins from your blood and your blood is acidic. So if you don't take care of it, you're going to die. And I'm like, You've been telling me that every fucking hour that I'm going to die. So, like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? So, I literally had to walk a fucking mile and a half fresh out of surgery after getting a hysterectomy. I had to fucking walk for a mile and a half up and down that fucking hallway with, like, one of those granny stretcher things. And the nurse and the doctor was like, okay, here's the big caveat. They're like, since you're stitched up inside... They're like, basically, at the end of your cervix, or your cervix would be, think of it like a sock, except it has an end now, and there's nothing past that end point, and everything there is stitched together and cauterized. They're like, if you trip and fall, you will disembowel yourself and die. I'm like, what? (laughs) Okay, so I'm fuck ton of pain. I can't trip. I'm in so much pain I can barely move, but I got to walk off kidney failure. Are you fucking kidding me? And then if I fall, I die. Oh, my God. Holy so shit. I went through a lot of, I went through a lot of shit. And then, you know, I went, uh, I was on medical leave for seven months because I had anemia so bad, even after I had two transplants of, or two transfusions of blood that, they said that it would take it would take me like a year to a year and a half to recover just for my body to make blood naturally. And I had a really bad iron deficiency too, which means that the blood platelets that I have are they kinda act like sickle cell anemia where like the blood platelets are weird and malformed and they just die faster. So I have to my body has to work like overtime creating new blood. So like, my heart beats a little faster than most people. It's not like tachycardia, but it's just a genetic thing that I have from my dad. I think it's probably from Agent Orange. I don't are, know. Are I you, have no fucking idea, dude. Are you optimistic? I mean, you sound like you're in pretty good spirits. That that You've been through quite a, quite a bit. Oh, that's not even the half of it. <laughs> that, that's not even the half of it? What else happened? You were fucking raped by zombies? What's next? Holy shit. How could there be more? So, oh, trust me, it gets so much worse. Like, I, I'm like, okay, this has to be the end of this fucking karma fucking 
no lube ass down session because I'm so I'm so fucking over all the bullshit in my life. You know, at least like all of the shit that I've gone through has given me perspective in life to be like, that's petty. That's fucking stupid. You're fucking stupid. Don't be a fucking bitch. Like I don't I don't put up with anybody's shit anymore at all. Um, so I'm like, it's a waste of my time. It's a waste of your time. I'm not going to waste your time if you don't waste my time, unless it's educational or, you know, or we're chatting or something. Like, Are you talking about a boyfriend? Is... That's coming. Oh. <laughs> so oh. My, sis- my sister committed suicide. Um, you know, I, I got back to work uh, seven months after, or so I took seven months of medical leave. Because I, I had anemia so bad, and the type of anemia I had that because I have uh, iron deficiency, I don't get enough oxygen to my organs, so it makes it very hard for me to function. And when you do physics simulation, you're doing, like, math, lots of fucking math. And people that survive sepsis, there's not very many people who do survive sepsis, so... There's not enough information on the science and medical level to basically give um, give doctor note work excuses to you know your HR representative and be like, yeah, she can't she can't do her job because it's all math and science and physics, and her brain cannot work you because no bloody, and they're not going to tell them that, and. I had to literally go to a fucking shrink to be like, yo, my shit don't work. You can ask me what two plus two is, but my brain, like, I remember what it is, but my brain won't fucking do it. And even now I'm like, it gives me PTSD just thinking about, you know, doing math stuff for work. And I'm like, I'm just going to take a break because I know when I feel comfortable and I get back to it, I won't have performance anxiety and I won't feel like I do have an actual handicap. Because I did have a handicap for about a year there. Like in the past six months, it's gotten a lot better. But, you know, a lot of people that survive sepsis say that it's not something that they ever get back. And I'm like, I really hope that's not true because that's my fucking bread and that's my bread and butter right there. But, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm classically trained in coding and art and music and I don't give a fuck at the end of the day. But anyway, so I got back to work. Two months back into work, I was working on an unannounced project at Blizzard, too. So there's a lot of pressure, very ambitious project, very ambitious goals. It was just, okay, you survived death. Let's just fucking hit the ground running. And now you're stress, 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 like you're in performance anxiety, stress out zone. So it's just like one shitty situation to a shittier situation. And then that makes me feel even shittier. Uh, and, And the overarching life theme of that time and then my sister committed suicide and I'm like I can't handle this much trauma in a six month fucking window. Was there There's something no that happened life. that caused her to do that? Was was there a breakup? Or? No, she's she was living with her daughter and I don't know. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of fucking things which are very conspiracy conspiracy theory shit but I'm almost positive that it has to do with Epstein. I'm almost positive. Jeffrey Epstein? Because what? Uh, yeah. What yeah. the fuck? If you want to know why he got thrown in jail, it was because a air quotes angel 
got a message through to me on Vanity Fair. And she was talking about um, who, this is the really fucking weird part. So it was a woman from the UK with the same fucking name as one of my sister's childhood friends. And I was like, holy fuck, I haven't heard that name in a fucking hot minute. And I'm like, why the fuck would a Vanity Fair article be popping up in the headlines? I'm like, I haven't even fucking heard of Vanity Fair since I saw that magazine when I was a kid. And I'm like, that's fucking weird. And like what I read in in the article was very, very eerily relatable to something that, you know, happened in my life. Like, that was very relevant to my my childhood timeline with my sister when we were really young. And I was like, and by the way, my sister's 14 years older than me. So she was in high school, middle school, high school when this shit was happening. So I, you know, I didn't think much of it. So I'm like, who the fuck is Jeffrey Epstein? And I was like, you know what? There was this really nice fucking beach condo on the, it was, there was this condo on the beach that we used, that she used to take me to. And I'm like, there's no way a family would live on a fucking condo on a beach. There's no fucking way. I'm like, who the fuck lived there? I'm like, I can't for the life remember who lived there. I'm like, it must have, it had to have been some fucking rich dude. It had to have been a rich dude. So I start poking into this shit and I'm like, hmm, this is really interesting. And then boom. He's in jail. And I'm like, that's a coincidence. So I'm like, all right, let's just troll to see what the fuck happens. And so I post on Twitter and I start tagging all the anonymous tags. I'm like, anonymous news, anonymous, 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 because I'm a 4 channer. And I was like, yo, my internet history is being <laughs> deleted. I'm like, enjoy my fucking digital footprint of a paper trail. And I basically just threw my fucking shit out there and was like, yo, Sniff my packets. Sniff my packets and go dig because it's fun and it's really weird and it's really fucked up. Because when I was a kid, you know, prior to becoming a game developer, and this was even before high school in the AOL days, you know, that was the wild west of the internet back then. Like there's script kitties and fucking pedos everywhere. And I had people trying to get me to run away to whorehouses in Hollywood. So I'm sure that's like the Weinstein dudes and fucking all that shit. I'm pretty sure that shit's all fucking related. Um, but, you know, my mom taught me better than that. And it's like I could spot a fucking adult talking to me from a mile away. And um, so I <clears throat> retraced my Internet steps to high school and to people that tried to, you know, abuse me as a child. And, you know, it's like I I can't speak for I, I can only speak for my personal experience. You know, when I was a kid, I think once you're past 15, if you're, like, fucking a dude and he's in his 20s, like, if he's over 25, then I think it's fucked up. If he's under 25, I mean, it doesn't look good. But I think both parties are kind of in the... I mean, yeah, I'm going to think the 20-something's a fucking scumbag, like, at the age I am at now. But when you're younger, you just don't know. You just don't fucking know any better, and you think it's cool, right? And that guy is totally, it could be a guy or a chick, doesn't fucking matter. They're totally fucking taking advantage of the fucking age gap. Because it's like a 35-year-old to a 25-year-old is very different from a 25-year-old to a 15-year-old, you know? 
So I'm looking back into my, you know, internet history and shit, and I found my friend's old, this guy that used to make forum signatures back in the late 90s and early 2000s, his fucking portfolio was still up. Like, his old fucking website was still active. It was still running. And I looked at his shit, and then all of a sudden I started piecing shit together with how they were luring these girls in. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so fucked up. Like, I'm pretty sure this is the fucking honeypot right here. This is it. I, you know, I went back. I used to do um, text-based role-playing when I was a kid in AOL chat rooms and shit. And I like to make, uh, I used to play muds and stuff, too. And so there were these forums and stuff back then that were targeted toward role-playing because tabletop. Tabletop gaming wasn't really big back then, and the internet was so new and fresh that it was very niche. Like, the people that were in those communities actually fucking gave a shit about each other and cared about each other. It wasn't, like, elitism or anything. It was, like, the people that were there wanted to fucking be there because we were fucking weird. And we were in a weird shit, at least by societal standards. We were in a weird shit back then. Now all that shit's mainstream, which is fucking weird. It's all mainstream and multi-million, billion-dollar industries. Um, but there were these, so there was basically these role-playing websites and then within those role-playing websites and they were, they were websites, but they were kind of like, uh, interactive forums, but they weren't really forums. They were just a means to be like, think of it as like Craigslist back in the day, but trying to find pickup groups for role-playing parties. Um, so they had that. And the whole thing, the whole guise that they fucking hid this under was poetry, art, self-expression, and preventing suicide. And most of the people on those websites, they were chicks. Like, they, a lot of them were like middle school girls that were just different, or they were insecure, or there was, there was something about them that made them I don't know, self-loathe or, I mean, when you're that age and you're a chick, it's, I can't speak for guys, but I would imagine like if you're a dude and you're like 15, you know, 13 to 15 and you're not fully developed, you're going to look at someone that's 21 and be like, oh my God, I'm so fucking not that. And for women, it's like, and I'm sorry, for, for, for little girls, they look at shit on the magazine covers and go like, I'm never going to be that oh, my God, why am I even living? So you get these fucking adults that go into those fucking, uh, those volatile fucking areas with just this mindset, this predatory mindset, and it's disgusting. And I went back, and the fucked up thing was is they still had all of those logs up from those forums, and I'm reading this shit going, holy fuck. And then, boom. The next day, fucking Epstein is fucking pronounced dead by suicide. And I'm like, no fucking way. There's no fucking way. There's no fucking way. And I'm like, if that is the case, then good. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy and fuck every single one of those fucking assholes. Not for my sake. Like, at least I was taught as a kid to, you know, respect myself. You know, I had good parents. And, you know, it's not, that's not a knock on parents. You know, it's just a lot of parents don't have that 
relationship with their children where they feel comfortable communicating about real shit like that. And that's depressing because that puts the fucking kid at risk and then it fucks the kid up for life. Um, and so I was looking into that shit. I'm like, well, good riddance, you know, like, fuck that guy. I hope that guy gets fucked, like, butt fucked to death. Like, fuck that guy. I don't give a fuck about him. And so I systematically started documenting all this stuff and backing this shit up. And I'm like, I don't even know who to fucking take this to because if I go public, like, and I, I mean, I have gone public with all of this stuff. I just haven't given anybody the evidence yet. I'm just like, I got all this shit. And if you don't, I'm like, and if you don't believe me, I got all my shit from trying to bait those motherfuckers when I was a kid. I'm like, I got all of my shit on lock. You want it? And I'm like, I looked at those fucking files. They're all fucking dated from the 90s. You want to go? Let's go. I'm a game developer. I know how to fucking game systems. Let's go. Like, I didn't even realize I had that you shit know what on your problem is, but list, You know what your problem is? I've huh. I've I I've uh seen a few people like you. You're too smart for your own good. I know, I know. <laughs> I trust me, I know. And this goes back to the star people, how they talk about them just being weird and having the third eye and shit. I'm like, Oh yeah. I can see that. That totally makes sense. Especially with the shit that I'm going through now, like holy fuck yes, it totally makes sense. Like that Epstein stuff was within the past few months and ever since that you know ever since I started looking into that I'm like huh and I got a lot of friends that work in government and military private sector and public sector and I just know a lot of people through my fucking you know fucking working on Warcraft for fucking 14 years I've met a fuck ton of people through that and you know I've done good stuff for people and they've done good stuff for me and I'm thankful for that opportunity but I'm like you know what, I have a very unique perspective on politics because of what I went through, because of what my family's gone through, and that's not even the fucking tip of the iceberg of what my family's gone through. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm white. Yeah, I'm going to leverage my whiteness. But you know what, fuck you because I'm a colonizer and I'm also a Native American. So if you want to come at me and start talking bullshit, my family was here before they were slaves on both sides of the fence. And they own slaves. And they liberated the slaves and they fought in the armies and they were the founding fathers and they fucking burned witches like they did the whole nine. So it's like I really, truly, firmly believe that a lot of that stuff is passed down genetically through your DNA because, like you said, I'm too smart for my own good. But I think that that comes with the territory of my lineage and my heritage. I think that that is why I have such a weird unique I shouldn't say weird I just I I guess I should word it as unique or should we have a very call you perspective are we still calling you butt that feels kind of disrespectful <laughs> no I talk shit all the time call me butt okay but <laughs> no but <laughs> but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to continue this story unfortunately we're gonna have to continue it another time because I've been on the air for four and a half hours so I I, I gotta let you go I'm so sorry yeah, no problem. I can fucking talk all day long, as you can tell. Well, hopefully you give us another call sometime. Sure, sure thing. All right. You have a good night. Thank you again for calling. <clears throat> yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Bye.
Well, that was very interesting. I would love to keep going with that because that was really we're going all kinds of places. I mean, I should have kept her on air, but unfortunately, four and a half hours. Damn, we rarely do five-hour shows. Back in the day, I used to try to do five-hour shows, but that is a long time, and it is getting late. So I do want to wrap things up in this last however long I can make it. Um, you know, one thing that I haven't done since we started this whole video chat thing, for those of you that listen to the podcast, if you if you do want to... I'm sorry, if you do want to watch the the live video show live video show with the keep burping, I'm sorry. If you do want to watch the live video show on YouTube, uh just go to the End of Days Radio YouTube channel and subscribe and then when we go live it'll show you when we're live and you could watch the visual, participate in the chat. Uh not a whole lot to look at. It's just kind of me wearing masks and making faces and attempting to dance a little bit, but um I'm working on it, and I want to get it so that we can have the video of the guests that we're talking to. I think that would be a major major advancement in End of Days radio slash video. But go to the End of Days radio YouTube channel if you want to participate in that. We're having fun there. Uh, but one thing that I have not done was the mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. You're blowing my fucking mind, man. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing moment of the day. We have not done that in such a long time. Uh, Today's mind-blowing moment of the day. I got to go with that fucking Epstein thing. That's pretty intense. I mean, uh, who knew that that was going to come up? Wow. Uh, Some more information to get me killed, hopefully. Uh, I always told you guys that we we dig deep here, and we continue to dig deep into the rabbit hole. This is our Halloween episode. Got lights up. We got fucking ghoul hanging up. There's an alien that's always there. Got some pumpkins. Uh, You know, it's Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy fucking Halloween. My favorite holiday. For me, to all of you, I used to always be envious of the fucking little kids because they go trick-or-treating. And I haven't had that much fun on Halloween until I started doing these Halloween shows with you guys. And every Halloween, there's always a Halloween end of days radio show without fail. You can look back, go through the archives. Halloween is my favorite holiday. I do like to celebrate and I do like to do what I can, even if it's just some fucking lights and a special five hour, four and a half hour show, however long this goes. If that's the least that I can do, then that's what I'll do because Halloween is like, it's not quite It's not quite Christmas, but it is the next best thing. And I don't think it gets enough appreciation. As much appreciation as it gets, I don't think that, you know, these people that say Halloween's the devil or you're not supposed to do this or that, that is just, whew. Why would you deprive yourselves of the horror and the the spooky and the candy and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? How could you do that? These people that... Um, you know, you got you have to have done Halloween as a kid, I think, to understand. Just like I might not understand what it's like to go through the experience of being a young Jewish boy experiencing Hanukkah or going through his bar mitzvah. <laughs> I mean, who knows what that's like? We can only be ourselves and experience what we are here to experience as us in the short time that we are here. 
Uh, I know the new Star Wars movies are coming out. Big, big deal. Big hoopla. I do like Star Wars. I am lukewarm on the new one, new ones, like the last two new ones, and the prequels were awful. I'm more into the original Star Wars. I guess I'm kind of turning into a bitter old fogey, but I can't get into all these, like, they're expanding the universe. They're expanding the universe so much, it doesn't even resemble what it was when I was a kid, and we were all about Luke Skywalker, Han Solo. There's all these other characters, and all this shit that I wish never even happened, like people dying and stuff like that. I just... I like the original Star Wars. That's Star Wars to me. That will always be Star Wars to me. One, two, three, you know. Uh, that's enough. We don't need, like, fucking the Chronicles of General Grievous or fucking butt-fucking Mandalorians or whatever shit that they're pushing down our throats. Uh, that that whole expanded mythos and, you know, it's just a big cash grab, uh, total cash grab. But I enjoy it for what it is. Like, I watched all those movies, and, you know, some of them were kind of entertaining and, um, you know, passes the time. But nothing will ever compare to the classic of the original Star Wars trilogy. Just like those shitty Matrix sequels, the second and third Matrix are nothing like the original, which had all this philosophy and mind-blowing shit. Uh, Those Star Wars other movies are not the same as the originals. The originals were magic, and they had something special about them. That can only expand it, be expanded upon shittily and never duplicated. You got a new Terminator movie coming out. Saw the trailer for that. That looks pretty interesting. I see they're going back to the, oh, there's a Terminator after us. We can't stop him. That was kind of the original te- Terminator premise. Now, uh, instead of being like in the future. I wish they would have kept it in the future. Like they were going to do. Like where they were headed. I wish they would have kept doing that, the Terminator stuff. I always want to see more of that. I want to see what goes on in the future time. I always get, I feel bored when they come back to the past and they're running around fighting Terminators in our time. I always want to see more of the future stuff. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Uh, What else is going on? Uh, Oh, I did have a little haunting incident. I don't think I even fucking... I started to talk about animals and stuff like that, and then I just went off track. But what I was talking about was I had another haunting incident happen. Supernatural shit happens all the time to me. Supernatural stuff happens probably, you know, it started like once a year, then it turned into once a month. Now I have supernatural stuff literally probably like once a week, every couple weeks. But the latest thing that happened was I went outside to check out that bear that was in the yard. And I came in and my bathroom door was shut and it was locked from the inside. So something actually impossible happened. My, my, my bathroom, the door shut and then it locked itself. So that's some obvious poltergeist sort of activity or some kind of, you know, somebody's doing some kind of hexes or something like that. So, uh, you know, freaky shit. I know I, I have some, you know, en- enemies out there that don't like that I do this program and spread truth and all that. You know, so there could be some uh, black magicians and sorcerers trying to, 
like close my bathroom door and lock it so I can't take a dump because that's something that I'm so fond of. So who knows what the fuck is going on in this crazy ass world? We got bathroom doors shutting and locking themselves, poltergeist incidents, hauntings, uh, you know, psychic abilities, stuff like that. Who knows what the fuck is going on in this crazy ass reality? Uh, yeah, if you do come. Let me tell you, I want to tell you guys something. You know, I'm a big advocate, a local boy. Uh, I always talk about, hey, I'm from the Pacific Northwest. I'm from the Puget Sound. I'm from Seattle. No, I, I, if you do come here, and you will, because it's pretty nice, and I say everybody should at least visit the wonderful area that I was lucky enough to just fucking live in for the past however many years. If you were to come here, I want you to go to Ivar's and have some clam chowder. You have to try some Ivar's clam chowder. If it's the last thing you do, if it's the last thing you do, have some fish and chips, dip them in your clam chowder, enjoy that clam chowder. Uh, it's one of the best meals that you can get anywhere. It's one of the best tasting anything. And I'm a fucking cook. You know, you want to see my animal fun and you want to see the stuff that I'm cooking? Well, you got to hook up with me on social media, on Twitter, you know, that's at Ninja Shoes on Twitter, Instagram, End of Days Radio on Instagram. So shout out to you, to my Instagram homies. Instagram, you guys have your own little universe in there. Like you got the End of Days Twitterverse and the End of Days YouTubeverse, and you got the little Instagram peeps in the corner. <laughs> so shout out to all the fucking Instagram people that look at all my boring ass things that I cook and my fucking wild ass animal encounters. So thank you to all of you. Uh speaking of Terminator, they have real Terminators now. I was watching this video on Twitter, somebody was retweeting, it was going viral. Uh this this Terminator exoskeleton looking robot is holding a gun and it's shooting it at targets. And it's hitting the target perfectly accurately. And this guy is going up behind it. And he's hitting its back with a stick. And he's hitting its legs. And he's knocking on the ground. And it's still hitting every target. That's what we're dealing with, people. We are dealing with stuff that's worse than what you see in the Terminator movies. That is our future. That is not even our future. That's going on right now. They have that shit. It's not remote control. Uh, we are talking about fucking artificial intelligence robots that can fucking shoot you and guess what happens when you shoot them back not a whole lot because they don't die at worst they just fall on the ground and somebody can repair them later unless you blow them up and they'll just make another one if you can even fucking kill the first one because it's a fucking terminator that's what you're going to be dealing with uh fucking shit that's rounding you up like cattle and forcing you into cages, all that stuff from the Terminator movies, that is your future. Termination. If you don't smarten up people and start taking care of your home and coming up with some laws to protect us from these fucking transhumanist things that are being thrown down our fucking throats. Whew. I do own a fish tank now. I was given a fish tank by a family member that didn't want to take care of them. Fuck you. You don't want to take care of the fishies. I'll take care of the fishies because I have a heart 
and I care about living things. I care about I care about even the tiny little fish and their tiny little microscopic hearts and their little fish bodies and their little smiley little human looking faces. I care about them. I care I care about I care about all living creatures. I went salmon fishing, for example, and I had to get some bait. Uh, got these things called herring, right? They're little fish that you use to fish for salmon. And I went to the bay shop, and they were $5 for a dozen. I was shocked about how cheap this was. You would think that it would be more expensive than all the plastic shit in the fucking Walmart, right? But you can get, like, 24 of these fish for... Uh, you know, 10 bucks. So I spent 10 bucks and I had 24 living things in a bag uh, 